Hello, ladies and gentlemen. You are listening to Next Gen Dems and watching Next Gen Dems. I am your host, Curtis Wild, DNC member and candidate for state representative, District 107, made it official today. This is an impromptu episode of Next Gen Dems, which you can find on YouTube, Facebook, iTunes, and podcast.com. The Audio is on iTunes and podcast.com. The video is on Facebook and YouTube. And I am here today with candidate for district. Uh, state district, uh, legislative district 134. 134, state district, uh, state house district 134. Derek Nowlin, say hi, Derek. Hi, Curtis. How are you today? I'm good. I'm good, man. Uh, just like so. you, I uh, came down here earlier this morning and uh, made it official, and I'm excited to get going. Excellent, excellent. So tell us where 134 is. Tell us about your district. Uh, my district is basically uh, South Central Springfield. Uh, uh, it's, it's definitely an uh, urban area. I've got uh, about 18,000 registered voters in my district. And, uh, you know, I think... An uh, urban area? Urban area, yeah. We're, uh, uh-huh. It's mainly in the south uh, central part of the city of Springfield. And uh, it starts... Uh, Kind of in the middle of town and goes all the way south of the county line. Gotcha. So, yeah. Gotcha. So, uh, and uh, so I, who's the current representative there? Oh, uh, that would be Elijah Har, who is the uh, current speaker pro tem, and he also uh, uh, is being groomed to be a speaker next term. Uh, obviously, uh, I'm trying to keep that from happening. Uh, so and, you're going against one of them big dogs, one of them heavy hitters. I am. I yeah. am. But uh, you know. Uh, I'll admit that it, it intimidated me at first, but then uh, the more I thought about it, I realized, you know, of all the, you know, as far as being able to have a chance to make a true change in the state, uh, this race is a, is a huge opportunity to do that, I think. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. So what are the, some things that you're planning on doing maybe differently? Uh, this is your first time running, right? Uh, this is my first time running. Uh you know, for a lot of years, I, I frankly have been angry at the way uh, normal people are treated in this state and in this country. Uh, never really considered uh, getting into politics, uh, you know, being an avenue as far as being a way to change that realistically. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I think you might agree, you know, you and I coming up, we were always kind of taught that, well, it's a certain class of people that run for office. Yeah, And it definitely won the, won the class that... Uh, you know, I was a part of. So, so explain that class when you envisioned it in your mind's eye. Right. What exactly did you see, uh, as far as the people that were getting involved in politics, the people that were allowed uh, to be involved in politics, at least uh, from our our viewpoint. Well, uh, first and foremost, money. Plain and simple. People had money. Yeah. Uh, you know, it was never. It was definitely never working people or everyday people. Uh, generally, uh, you know, the professional class, which is certainly nothing wrong with that either. Uh, uh, but, you know, I would say, uh, first and foremost, it, it would be, you know, the money. So, yeah. uh, money and, uh, frankly, you know, what I've seen in my lifetime is a, a lot of cynicism in regards to how the government works and what it's there for. And the people, well, it's been money, pretty obvious that right. they haven't been serving the needs of the people. Right. So. Uh, you know, not only that, but they have, they have subverted the whole system to, to make it work for just them and a few. Yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, through that, they've, they've been... How are some ways that they've done that? Explain to the audience exactly how they've 
uh, gotten us from where we should be to where we are now? Uh, well, a lot of it is, uh, you know, straight up uh, messaging. Uh, and, uh, you know, I would say, too, a problem we've had. Uh, a lot of people who are younger may not know we used to have a thing called the Fairness Doctrine. And uh, what I'm getting towards with that is the, uh, the way the media covers news and politics in this country. They used to have to give uh, equal time to opposing viewpoints of politics, and that went away during the Reagan era, his FCC got rid of that, and next thing you know, you have Fox News. And the next thing you know, you have net, neutri- net neutrality. Being under uh, attack, right? Being under attack by the FCC. Right. Uh, so they want to control the message. They want to control the message. And, and when you look at news, unless you really hunt for it online, for example, uh, you know how many companies control all the media in this, in this country? I believe it's five or six. And, and, yeah, and the news isn't there to be news. The news is there to be entertainment. Uh, you know, they have commercials during the news. That's, that's what the news is for. So... Uh, you well, know. that's what it turned into. I know when I was a kid, my grandmother used to consistently, constantly, incessantly watch the news, and I, I couldn't stand it at the time. I couldn't stand it at the time, but back then they actually delivered news. Well, they delivered unbiased news. That's very- and, and today, it's whoever your owners are, that's who you're going to suck up to. Right. That's uh, who you're going to amplify the message for and of. Right. So, what do we do about that, Derek? Well, uh, you know, uh, getting to a little background with everybody here, uh, Curtis and I were both in Philadelphia as Bernie delegates. Uh, true story. A true story. And the, the strongest impression I had from Philadelphia was that everything I was experiencing there started on a local level. Yeah. Uh, and what we were experiencing there was local politics en masse. And so that made me uh, very determined to uh, come back and, and work uh to change Locally. that system. Right. And, you know, I'll give an example. You know, what can we do locally to affect things that would really be on a national level? But, uh, you know, I, I know you're from St. Louis. Now, in my area in Springfield, uh, basically all of our local news is owned by one company now. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and... That's true. You know, now how can you affect that at a national level? Well, you could you can make that known locally. You can make it an issue... Uh, see or you, you could get become your own media like we're trying to do right here well, at Well, God bless Dems. the Internet. So That's right. So it has democratized uh, information in a huge way, which is why it, they want to do away with net neutrality, obviously. It, absolutely why they uh, want to do away with net neutrality. And that a lot of people say uh, the revolution will not be televised. And that's true. No. That's true because it's going to be live streamed <laughs> you beat me to across it. social media. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it will be uh, the, the sounding board and the platform right. for people to move mobilize and organize and take this country back. So do not allow them to take away net neutrality. Yeah. It's that simple. And, uh, you know, that does start locally with uh, getting hold of your, your Congress people and your, and your senators, obviously. Uh, you know, now I'm kind of getting off the path here because I'm running a state race. That's you know, right. And That's talking right. about local issues. And we're kind of talking about meta issues here, really. But uh, We can do anything we want you to know, right the, here. The, the, That's what but, I love but, about this is the freedom. Do you like the freedom of being able to be here? At, is it Aris? 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 Uh, um, pizzeria right here in Jeff City. We were just able to set up and, and throw down, and now we're able to amplify your message. Well, so. you know I do. So, yeah. uh, you know, and uh, but anyway, getting, getting back to the media, that's, that's a problem. You're asking how we get to this point, uh, you know, that, you know, through the media 
and not just the news, but TV shows, movies, this kind of thing. There's a prevailing, you know, basically they they push a narrative, and they have convinced a lot of people that uh, you know what's good for the wealthy is good for everybody else. And I what do you think about and before we get into to the uh, income inequality, the obvious thing that. Uh, is a resounding issue that causes a lot of our other issues. Uh, I want to focus on entertainment. You, you talked about movies. Uh, what do you think of all this backlash with Black Panther? Uh, oh, uh, I think it's predictable. I think the, the backlash is, I'm not sure how much of it is real and how much of it is, you know, manufactured. Contrived like, by so the Russians. Other, right. <laughs> right, comrade. Roll dupes. But, uh, uh, you know, and that's just it. Who, who can say these days? Uh, you know, the back. I think it's a. I think it's a shame. Uh, I think everybody's trying to turn everything into a, a social sounding board, one way or another. Regardless if you're on the right or the left, if you're on the the right, and uh, you know something really liberal happens, you're going to attack it. The left is going to going to defend it, and and that's just how it, I I think it's going to be for the foreseeable future. Well, and you know I think we have to find a way to get past that. I you know? think we absolutely have to find a way to get past you that. Know, to, you know, I mean, we're talking big issues. What, what can we do about it? Uh, you know, but I mean, getting right to the heart of what I'm doing, what you're doing, running locally. You know, when I go out and talk to people door to door, there's a lot of agreement on the issues, regardless yeah. of the party. And uh, you know, so far in my district, talking to people, uh, you know, I've, I've talked to people of all stripes, who, uh, you know, the Republicans, the conservatives, they say. You know, look, I'm Republican, I'm conservative, but what we have right now is just way too far, and I don't recognize it. And, you know, I think if we stick to our issues and, uh, you know, to bring back the media, that is money in politics. They bought the lobbyists and the politicians to allow this to happen. And, uh, they attack you know, unions. They, uh, they un do. And, un you unions know. Unions donate a lot to Democratic candidates. Um, because they know that Democratic candidates work for the working people, um, and and they're trying to attack every means and source uh, of unseating them. Right, yeah. and uh, you know, uh, you know, thanks to the internet, we have the ability to, to work around that. And also, uh, you know, I'm kind of a little all over the place here, but uh, I'm just Be saying things as the they place. as they occur to Freedom. me. You know, because I, I keep thinking about what happens. <laughs> You know, when I work locally, you know, I talk to people who may, you know, have vote, voted a certain way for a long time, but they really are open to, you know, yeah. to a change. And well, where you connect with people is on the issues. It's right. on your platform. It's on your policies. It is. It's on the things that, that you're going to fight for that's important to you and important to the people in your community that your opponent might not share. Well, and you just said a, a big word uh, that, that means a lot to me is a community because yeah. in the act of going out and talking to the voters in my district or really anywhere you know you, you, you're building a sense of community that I've not really seen much of in my life I've never lived a lot of places where I felt like I was a part of a community and yeah. when you go out and can talk to the people in your area and uh, you know really get to know what everyone was thinking where they're coming from that does start to happen I think that makes a big difference you know, uh, I think that'll, uh, you know, I'm really excited to see what our uh, voter turnout is going to be in the midterms. I think uh, hopefully it'll be record setting. 
you know. Uh, I've been saying a lot, to touch back on community, I've been saying a lot, we've got to show unity with our community. We do. We've we got to be getting out there, reaching out to, to our neighbors, and, and reforming neighborhoods. We do. Um, because that's gotten lost along the way, and it was never more prevalent than in 2016 when I was knocking doors, and I would go to a door, and I'd knock the door, and they'd say, wow, I'm so glad the Democrat is running in this district. I'm the only Democrat on my block. Right. And then I would go to their next-door neighbor, and they'd say, wow, I am so glad a Democrat is running in this district. I am the only Democrat on my <laughs> block. And guess what? You need to talk to your neighbors a little bit more, folks. You need to get to know your, your community. And the more that you do, the more you can take power over what happens to you and, and what's going to happen to your children, grandchildren, and future generations. Uh, it, it's true. Uh, you know, uh, I think, you know, before a lot of us got involved recently, uh, you know, because of her, I think we all felt like that. I, I felt like a voice in the wilderness for years and years and years. I thought I was the only one that had these progressive views. Uh, you know, people around me would, uh, you know, certainly make me feel that way. And it sounds like you felt the same way. And uh, that was the great thing that has happened uh, since then is, you know, we're all out in the open. We all know we're here. Yeah. And we have all worked together as a force. And, uh, you know, things are not where we'd like them by any means but they're definitely going in the right direction and they weren't doing that when i got involved no i think yeah. would you agree with that well i mean we spent 10 years losing elections and, and we lost over a thousand seats within the democratic party so right. whatever was happening before wasn't working and well, it's, it, it's and, really evident and and that's just it it's, it, it's not even you know it is the party but the party and the losses they're really a symptom going back to the issues that the party is running on and, uh, you know, I really think that, you know, the party is becoming more progressive. I think it will continue to become more progressive. I think it has to. I think the more that it listens to the voice of the people, mm -hmm. the more progressive it's going to get. Because uh, the issues and the platforms uh, that you and I both support, you know, uh, uh, health care is a human right. Right. Uh, Tuition-free education, mm -hmm. uh, social justice, economic justice, uh Black Lives Matter, uh, money out of politics, uh, all of these things are things that a majority of people support. They are. And they poll. I mean, across the polls, a majority of people support most of the things that we run on, but there's so much to this identity politics. Mm -hmm. you, you've been a Republican for years, so you've got to vote Republican. Right. No, you don't. No, you don't. If you want things to change, you have to change them. And you have to make sure that your voice and your vote matters and matters to not just you, but to future generations. Oh, and, uh, and for future and that, And that's why going out and talking to people is so important because, uh, you know, I've had, I've literally have had conversations where I've talked to a couple people for, you know, 20, 30 minutes. Uh, could tell that they were Republican voting, right wing leaning, but uh, on the issues we were all agreeing on everything. Yeah, it wasn't until at the end of a thirty minute conversation they asked what party I'm running in, and then they didn't like you no more. No, they didn't care at that point. They like yeah. they did like me. They liked me well, and they, they liked my issues. There's and, definitely something to that, man. Right. Once you get past that R and that D, and, and you get right to the the uh, meat and potatoes of right. what you stand for, that's what. Americana stands for that should be the American dream for a majority of people. Mm -hmm. You know, there's I, I really don't believe in my heart of hearts that there are people out there that genuinely believe I should do better and no one else should. I think that there's a lot of people out there that go, I want to do better than the next guy, 
But I think that everybody should do better too. Right. You know, in their heart of hearts, that that's what I believe a majority of people believe. So we have to reach people on, on a really uh, deep level and, and connect with them there. Oh, and, it, you know, that, that is so true. And, uh, you know, even the most, uh, you know, conservative person I could speak to adore still, you know, there's human decency there. And, uh, uh Touching on that, it, my first. <laughs> well, I lost my got, brain. It, I, was, I saw over. that. I I'm coming in for really the save. Good to go with that. And making like, the save. Making but, the uh, save. So uh, my first four four by eight signs of my 2016 election, two of them were in Republican yards, and mm-hmm. it's because of that. Right. It's because we were able to connect on the issues, and some people are out there willing to look past that letter. I, I do remember what the point I was. You know, the, go right ahead. The, you know, the parting of the ways, it always happens with, uh, and I'll let you guess what the two issues are. Uh, one starts with an A, you know, where you part with the conservatives' abortion. What's your view on abortion? Ah, right, right. You know, uh, I, you know, I have been surprised and kind of heartened to, you know. <laughs> Sorry, man. <laughs> like, don't go talk ahead, about go that. ahead. Uh, you know, I, Every person I've talked to in my district that would consider themselves, uh, you know, pro-life, and that's a, that's a term I think we need to take back, frankly. Uh, Agreed. Uh, you talk about it, that, then that's, I will. That's a different topic. but uh, Well, I'll no, get to that in a second. But, uh, you know, the most ardent pro-lifers, uh, no, I, anti-abortion, that's what I will say. Uh, these people are anti-abortion. Uh, Anti-choice. Right, but... You know, even even they, when I talk to them, there should still be exceptions for rape. There should, there should still be exceptions for uh, incest, uh, that too, mother's health, that kind of thing. Yeah. So, uh, you know, that, that's an issue that has, you know, really been made to be divisive, uh, and that's kind of media conditioning too. That's a that's a handy issue to divide people with. So, uh, so the messaging of yeah, us giving you know. them the power to say that they are pro-life. Right, we do need to take that really back because... they're really pro-birth. Right. Because uh, after know. that baby is born, they're on their own. Yeah. They're off into the world, and God be with you, and uh, if you don't make it, that's your own fault. Right. And uh, that's... I, I couldn't agree more. Uh, you know, you know Jean Chanda. Mm-hmm. Yeah, her and I, you know, she lives down in our area, and... Uh, we, the Progressive Caucus of the right, Missouri Democratic Party. Which I am also the secretary of that. Yes, you are? Yes. Uh, uh, Nominated by this guy? Thank you very much, Curtis. Just saying. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm really proud of the Progressive Caucus. And uh, we also have a, a Green County Progressive Caucus that we've started down in my area, which is awesome. also doing amazing things. But uh, It's funny you brought up Gene because nominated by this guy. Hi, Gene. <laughs> What's up? <laughs> I'll keep, I'll keep uh, feeding straight lines. And, uh, there you go. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, her and I have actually talked about this thing specifically, how we do use the messaging to get terms like pro-life back from the other side. We need to. And, uh, you know, it really is just, uh, you know, a, consensus, a consistency of message, which I think uh, having good progressive issues allows us because we're always – we don't have to think about, oh, I'm for these things. I just am. Yeah. You know, you, I don't have to think yeah. about it. And uh, – you know, if if we you know go and talk to people that way, you know, I think uh, that that issue could be blunted a little bit. And the other one, you know, first it was you know that one, uh, you know. Now, 
with the events of the last couple of weeks, I think things are changing. But gu- guns is the other big issue that, mm-hmm. uh, you know, seems to divide. Uh, so how do you breach that subject at the doors, given the, that things like Parkland are really turning that uh, debate around and seeing, uh, seeing our children fight for sense no, of that's just it. I'll, you know, a whole I'll, different thing. I'll, I'll own my issues. Uh, yeah. If I know the other person doesn't agree with me, I'm not going to tell them what they want to hear. Right. Uh, but it's exactly how I feel about it. And, you know, if they're an older person, I can honestly talk to them. And I literally had this conversation the other day that, you know, when I was younger, or I'm talking to this person, when we were younger, mm-hmm. you know, the NRA was a gun safety organization, uh, very low horsepower. They weren't looking to get into politics. And, uh, you know, what they have turned into is a weapons lobbying arm. Mm-hmm. And... And you know, you, and they you know have used marketing to, make, to convince people that, you know, you got to be well armed and maximum armed and all these things. Uh, you know, when people want to get me into that talk, I say, I don't have a problem with guns. I grew up shooting guns. I'm actually a really good shot. Uh, not to brag or anything. Right. Oh, I, I just am. But, uh, <laughs> it's like, yeah, I'm bragging a little bit. Uh, just a little. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I don't, I don't want to take anyone's guns away. I just think, uh, you know, think we need to dial it back Democrat. to it. Wants to take anybody's guns no, away. They don't. They and want to make sure that mentally ill people cannot obtain them. Right. Or, you know, uh, you need a you need an arsenal. You know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I think there needs to be some sensibility. Uh, you know, there used to be an assault weapons ban. Mm-hmm. And they did away with it. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, and since the, the then, police were the ones it, that wanted the assault like weapons ban. The police were the ones right. who started that whole right. thing. And, you know, because... The assault uh, weapons ban. You know, and I'm, I'm going to quit talking about the NRA, but I'm going to say, you know, those groups, you know, they have, you know, that's part of what they've done is they have, uh, you know, we can't have any discussion about the Second Amendment with any sort of, you know, calmness or, or reasonableness, uh, reasonability. I don't think reasonableness is a word, but... Uh, if there's any regulation, it's too much regulation right. as far as they're concerned. And we need, you know, and that's not a serious position to take. We need to have a serious talk. I mean, you know, there are no absolutes in life, and that's just, uh, you know, I think that is another issue that's been hijacked, and, uh, you know, frankly, you know, it's it's gotten dangerous. It's life and death. It has gotten dangerous. You You look at these commercials that they're putting out with Dana Loesch, uh, talking about the the clenched fist of freedom and And, all these things. They are trying to start a civil war. They're actively attempting to start a civil war and to get blood flowing in the streets. So how do we, and when they're willing to go that far, when they're willing to to flip that, that leaf over and go that direction, what do we do? What what do we do that reaches out to the American people and says enough is enough? That well, that, you know, and that's the that's because the that's question, what Derek Nolan's buttons say: enough is enough. Enough really hey, is hold enough. that close to the camera. I want people to see that. Yeah, I I had had beyond enough starting a long time ago, actually, but only recently in my life have I felt empowered to actually you know, become involved and do something about it. And well, of course, we feel that enough is enough, but how do we convey that and, and to, to uh, find other people that share in that uh, and to mobilize them? I don't want to be a broken be record, but to doors, get out on the doors. Uh, you know, there's lots of other ways. Uh, you know, canvassing is really the, the thing that uh, I like to do the most. Uh, it's why I do the most. Uh, of course, you could have events. 
media, what you're doing, is, is a wonderful way to, to reach new people. Uh, you know, you know, ever since I have got involved, uh, I've looked at what I do, what you're doing, what we're all doing really is we're planting seeds. You know, I, don't, I never know who is going to respond to anything I have to say or any way I am acting, but, uh, you know, you never know. So I always try to be very aware of both what I'm saying and how I'm acting because, yeah. uh, you know, it's reflecting on uh, what I'm representing and even more so, you know, I, you know, I feel like I reflect on, you know, the party, progressives, all of it, you know, mm -hmm. so. Uh, you, you feel like you got to carry that on your back. You uh, have yeah, to wear it's, that it's, mantle. It's a, but it's not a, a weight, it's not a responsibility. It's not a burden. Uh, it's not a burden. But you feel necessary to wear that mantle. Just like the Batman cow right. is not a burden to him, it, this this is our superpower. Well, it's just, it, that's where we're at. I mean, we don't, you know, I feel... You know, and running Rob is another another uh, manifestation of that it just you know things have gotten way too far. Enough is enough, and uh, you know I, I don't ever feel you know how do you take a day off from pending doom? I mean, you, you know, you don't. You, you don't. fight it as hard as you can, and that's, exactly uh, right. that's what I'm doing. And uh, my wife and daughter would appreciate if I took a little more time off from impending right. doom. But they both know that there isn't a day gone by that we can. Oh, you have to every now and then. But I mean, every day, you know, every moment I'm awake, I you just, have I just to. Feel that. <laughs> I'm kidding. No, there are days that I have to unplug. I can't look at Facebook. I just need to to uh, get away from the social media yeah. and the, the vitriol. And I, I don't even want to know what 5.9 lies Donald Trump has told that day. Or, or who he's tweeted about, or how he's almost caused World War III at 3 a.m. sitting on a toilet. I don't need to know that every day. Uh, so well, I, I, steer, I think I a lot of that is by design, too. It's supposed to keep us all rattled and, and kind of despairing. Yeah, and that kind it, of thing. it's actually uh, uh, shock politics. And, it uh, is a styling of politics where you do something so horrendous, and before people have a chance to bounce back from that or to even wrap their head around how horrible that was, you hit them with something else. Just as bad, if not worse. Mm -hmm. And then they, they're already past that first thing because now you're on to that second thing. Well, and you, and you make them numb. Uh, yeah, there's you know, a lot After of that. The, the shooting in Florida, uh, you know, I posted where, you know, I think I'm supposed to be numb, but I just can't be because, you know, if I became numb, I didn't feel the outrage, then I wouldn't feel compelled to try to do something about it. And yeah. uh, so I just, I refused to, to ever get numb to these things. Uh uh, yeah, but we can't give in. Well, you can't. We can. But uh, you know, I'm I'm starting to go down a gloom and doom trail here. You know, that's the that's the problem. The solution. Let's keep it positive. There's a lot of well, that's what I was getting ready to go to. There's a lot of rays of hope out there, and you know, locally where I live, you know, I've never seen people so involved and participating and aware. And I'm sure it's the same up in St. Louis as well. So, yeah. uh. You know, uh, going into a midterm, uh, I can't ever recall so much energy about a midterm election. Yeah, I don't think that I've you ever know, seen uh, this much energy. You know, I think, uh, you know, there, there's a lot of people out there. On an off year? You know, on a year that a president isn't being decided? Right. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, people like us, we're running for office. People, other people are helping candidates. Other people are doing petitions. Uh, 
you know. They're uh, mobilizing and organizing? They are, I know. Yeah. And that really, they hate when we do that, but that's why we keep doing it, so. Well, uh, we have to do it. Yeah, we, we have, have to do it. To, but, uh, because to this point, they've been beating us at that game. But so. seriously, you know, what it does is, you know, it gets back to what can we do, and I'm going to tie it back into the local level. It shows people in your local area that, you know, there is this group of people that are always doing something about this, and, uh, Get, did you get some better people to interview? No, not at all. Keep going, keep going. I'm kidding. But you know what I'm saying. It, it's, all, it's, it's all tied together. And, you know, I think the energy that we bring to it gets into the people who are, you know, not yet involved but want to be that kind of thing and kind of gives them uh, some inspiration, some courage to, you know, I am going to go out and volunteer for this thing. I am going to run for this seat that no one else is running for, or I'm going to look into a local group that, uh, you know, I'd always heard about but never really did anything with. Maybe it's time to go to that meeting or talk to those people. Yeah, and and Uh, that's one of the big reasons that I got involved is because people look at me and they can tell that guy's not your typical politician. <laughs> that that guy is not, you know. You're not too difficult anything. Well, thank you, sir. You're I appreciate welcome. that. I will wear that like a badge of honor <laughs> and, uh, and scream it loud, scream it proud. But uh, I, I'm an example. I'm an example that regular people can run for office. People can just look at me and know that. But once they hear me, once they talk to me, they realize that, that I'm just a regular guy running for office trying to make change for regular people. So... Uh, Win, lose, or draw. I'm setting that example. I'm not just setting that example for other people. I'm setting that example for my daughter. Right. Yeah. Uh, And and you mentioned trees. We're we're planting seeds. We're planting seeds. And uh, I just spoke at the Working People's Day of Action downtown St. Louis last Saturday. And there was a a young gentleman that came over with a bullhorn. Just happened to happen during my, when I got up to the mic, you know. And uh, afterwards he came up and apologized to me. And I was like, look, you're planting seeds too. The thing that, that you're doing is important to you. You're planting seeds, and I'm planting seeds as well. The the seeds that we're planting, we may never uh, enjoy the shade of. We may, may never be able to sit underneath these trees, but our children can, and our grandchildren can. We're building something for people uh, that are going, going to come after us, and this isn't about us. None of this is about us. It's all about not me, us. Uh, yeah, uh- I mean, singularly, it's not about me, it's not about you, it's about the collective, it's about everyone. I've said this whole time, you know, uh, exactly the same thing, and, you know, it is for my kids and my granddaughter and your kids and everyone else's kids, it's for everybody. Uh, This was never about me. Uh, I'm at an age where, you know, I'm doomed anyway, so. Yeah. (laughs) Save save yourselves, everybody. uh, Even if we started turning it around right now and moving towards sustainable energy, it's going to take us 20, 25 years. I'm going to be 60 years old. like hell, if not hand our kids this mess. Yeah, exactly And, and, I mean, just straight up, no filter, that's where a lot of my motivation comes from. It's like, I'm not... No, I'm not handing you this. Not here to play. It's messed up that I got handed this, but I'm not going to hand it to you. Exactly right. You know, I mean, I'll just. And if we don't start working towards improving it now, then then we're handing it to We got a lot of hard work in front of us. And, you know, and that's the other thing, you know, I'm talking about these things. You know, I'm talking about working locally and and doing it with a spirit of, uh, you know, frankly, openness and, and not anger and fighting. But. You know, that is something else that I think our, that we do as progressives is when it's time to hold that line, we hold that line. 
Yeah. It's like, I'm not going back on this issue. And then, this is where I stand. This right. is what I believe. You know, I'm not going to uh, get up and throw a fit about it, but I'm not going to budge on it either. Right. And, uh, you know, I think that, and that's uh, that is something man. else that we need from our side in politics, obviously. That's integrity. You know, that's being that, willing uh, to stand when no one else is right. willing to stand I mean, with you. I'm not, you know, I'm not doing this. You know, that's the only reason I'm doing this, the issues. Those issues. Yeah. Those issues get money out of politics. Our, our income inequality is a disaster. You know, that gets into our health care. That gets into, you know, a lot of social issues we have. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, I just think that, uh, you know, uh, I mean, there's a that, lot that's of other I mean, with, between, uh, you know, racial disparities. And uh, especially in this state with, you know, what has happened up in St. Louis and Ferguson yeah. and it seems to continue to keep happening. And it happens over the country. Uh, you know, I mean, those, those are some other, you know, lines and issues that we just have to stay steadfast on. Yeah. Uh, you know, but, uh, you so know, I, but, I, but I do feel like, uh, you know, <coughs> I think they're all tied together. I agree. I, I know, agree. I think uh, it's all we live in an intersectional society. Right. Everything is so tied together right yeah. now. And, and if you're not seeing how it intersects, you're going to have to look deeper. Right. Because everything is intersecting these days. Um, so we're going to have to, to work on a lot of issues, Derek. We're going to yeah. have to work on a lot of issues. Yeah. But before we finish off, we've got a couple new candidates that came right, in. Right, right. I'm going to pull them into the show. I'm going to pull them into this episode. So uh, and before we do that, I want to let everybody know how to get a hold of you and how they can contribute and get involved in your campaign. Uh, look for me on Facebook. Uh, my website will be up soon. Uh, I also have an Act Blue account. Uh, Derek Nowlin, just look for my Derek Nowlin and Act Blue. Search Derek Nowlin, Act Blue, spell right. that for him. Uh, D-E-R-R-I-C-K, N-O-W-L-I-N. Uh, you know, uh, and your or also Nowlin for the 134th. Uh, you probably want to search for it that way, actually. I don't actually go look for my own Act Blue page, so I'm not gotcha. sure. Gotcha. Uh, well, what you should do is get a uh, subdomain, like, much like my subdomain, is donate.wildforthepeople.com, and you can even misspell it if you want to spell wild the regular way. <laughs> Um, yes. you, you can type in donate.wildfieldpeople.com. I'm familiar with your, your yes, yeah. I've, I've, I've had occasion with your subdomain before. You've been on there. Oh, you know I have. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So, uh, absolutely. So I, I appreciate that. I apologize. That. You kind of caught me I off guard with the contact info. Uh, All good. Uh, but the website is? Uh, website is not up yet. Okay. All right. The Facebook I suck, is. but I will have it up. Uh, Facebook is uh, now for the 134th, and I will have that up in the next day or two. Nowlin for the 134th. All right. Yep. Check out Derek Nowlin on Facebook. And uh, right now, we're going to bring in some candidates that just walked in. Sarah, if you'd like to come on over, we're going to have you come on over here. And John, come on over and sit next to Derek. We're bringing you guys in. You're going to have to step over those cords right there. Heels, Curtis. I apologize. I apologize. You won't see this often. <laughs> All right. All right. How's that shot? We're still looking good over there? Are we live, too? Nope. No. So we're gonna, but he's not going to edit, he says. I'm not editing. Yeah. I'm not editing. This is just going straight in. And we've got I'm going to have to try that hairstyle. Then I won't have to worry about the wind or anything. <coughs> I, I, I loved it. When I did it, I did it for about five years or so. Uh, and then I said, no, I ain't having it. I'm going to grow my hair out, and I'm going to donate it to Locks of Love. Uh, 
But, uh, yeah, oh, yeah, thank you, thank you. You're such a teddy bear. Uh, no tears, Derek, no tears. Um, but, it, but when it came down to it, they apparently have rules that I didn't know I was supposed to follow, like trimming it every six months or something. Oh, really? And, yeah. So, you don't yeah. just grow out this three is, feet of hair? No, you can't just grow out hair <laughs> for five or six years and cut it all off and give it to them. There's rules. You got to keep the ends trimmed and all that stuff. So. Yeah. Wash it at yeah. least once every two yeah. weeks. Um, Come on, guys. Yeah, not I'm not doing it. Please. I'm not doing it. I watched this. <laughs> At least. Yeah. Yeah. That's a lot of water. A yeah. lot, lot of I thought water. you were a Democrat. Like a soap? Yeah, right, right. <laughs> we're trying to consume water. Water is life. I'm sorry. Can't be. Okay, so let's start with the lady. Sarah Hinkle, right? That's me. Yeah. That is you. Today was the day you made it official. I did. I, you I marched right down there and said, listen, you. You're going to file me. You are. You are going to file me? <laughs> and you, what district are you running in? Let's hear more uh, about that. I am in District 162 for State House, uh, which is largely, it's, it's about a third of Joplin, maybe half of Webb City, all of Dunawick, which I'm sure you haven't heard of, and a little piece of Carl Junction. So. How do you know I haven't heard of Dunawick? Maybe that's my old stomping grounds. Maybe I got some Maybe peeps so. at Dunawick. Let's get some shout-outs from Dunawick. Maybe you've thrown a chair in our match. Like you busted a few tables at Dunawick. Maybe yeah. I threw a chair in Eldon and it yeah. made it to Dunawick. Yeah. That's or? a long toss. That is yeah. that is some Scottish heaving. What's that? What's that called? Uh, like pole tossing or something, isn't it? Something, yeah. Something, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. It sounds a little dirty. What she do you think, John Keeney? got you on that one. That's true. That's true. So but before we really get into your district, tell us a little bit more about you and what uh, brought you down this path to run for office. Uh, so I, I've always been democratically minded. Uh, I, I grew up in a different state. When I moved to Missouri, I didn't really realize there were other Democrats in Joplin uh, until 2016. And it actually, I attribute it all to just pure fate, dumb luck, whatever it was. Um, obviously, I got really involved in Bernie's campaign. I loved his message. And That's I saw obvious to me. Let's make it obvious to the voters. Tell them exactly how you <laughs> or to the viewers, my bad, and listeners. Well, they could be voters, too. I hope they, they could be right, voters. Right. They could be voters. Uh, um, because we are not live right now. We are recording live uh, here at Aris in uh, Jefferson City, which is a great pizzeria. Uh, they get awesome spin dip. And their uh, their right gyro the and their gyro was awesome. Right across from the Capitol, that's how I knew about yeah. this place. Right. Uh, and free parking if you drive in enough circles yes. and wait yeah. for yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I dropped a quarter <laughs> for yeah, 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 yeah like no, I, I ninety minutes. Or no, it was a quarter an hour. Yeah, and that was already Which thirty four minutes still on there. So. That's still not too bad. A quarter. We an might hour. need to check that. As a matter of fact, <laughs> Chrissy Wild, she is my production assistant on most of my episodes of Next Gen Dems. Which, real quick, before we continue on, you can check out at uh, Facebook, YouTube, um, uh, podcast.com, and iTunes. So and be sure to check that out. Be sure to subscribe. Uh, as I said, we're not live right now. We are recording live. Uh, we are alive. We're, we're oh, taking an ussie. Let's take an ussie. Everybody oh lean gosh, in. Ascension. Everybody lean in. We're going to get it done. See, we are unlike any podcast that you will ever be on. Yeah. Um, I, I just blew my own mind are. with that, whatever just happened. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like awesome. I should break out my own phone, too. That's awesome. So tell us about how you got involved in the Bernie campaign and how that got you here. Okay, so I loved his messaging. I mean, I am someone who went to college and a little bit of grad school, but I, I couldn't afford to stick with it. I was working two full-time jobs and going to grad school. Hi. Um, 
and I'm in a lot of debt because of it, of a you know a degree that I didn't even get to finish. So I, it really resonated with me his message of a living wage and doing something to fix education, tuition, the cost of it, all of that, uh, really stuck with me. Um, and just income the, inequality. Exactly. I mean, the whole, yeah. The whole big picture of it. And just the. You know, if anyone actually got involved and went to any of his rallies or anything like that, just the joy of those crowds. It wasn't negative politics like you see so much now. It was loving and welcoming and accepting. And yeah. I had found God, my It was people. almost like church. Right. It was almost like church. There were people crying. There were people singing. There were people dancing, hugging, group hugs. It was unbelievable. The energy in those rooms, the energy in all those rallies, all the even when Bernie wasn't there, when you were on the county level and you were doing the delegate selection stuff, it was amazing. Just the camaraderie. And, and you don't see that in politics anymore. You don't see that in politics anymore. So when that happened... I felt a change, and I think that... I don't think you really saw it before, either. I think that was really kind of a, you know... I don't think so. I I think there were a lot of people that were around for a really long time that said that they had never seen anything like it before. Mm -hmm. They they were a few people that turned, uh, gave some comparisons to McGovern, um, because he was... Way back. He was really popular. I I never felt that was a good comparison, though. You know, no, I mean, once similar, I saw, but not... Once I saw some documentaries I mean, on it, I was like, eh, he wasn't quite Bernie. No. It, it was, uh, William Wallace was a little more like Bernie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. But, uh, um, but before we, we continue on, let's bring John in. John Keeney is running for Congress in the 3rd District against Blaine Luke DeMeyer. Let's talk about that. Yes. Or, uh, well, you got a primary. But I do. If things go your way, it's yeah, going to yeah. be Blaine. Yeah, um... I am running for U.S. Congress, uh, like you said, against uh, Blaine Lickmeyer, and um, we've actually got another mic there, but I didn't bring an extra arm. Yeah. So if you want to use it, that's cool right, too. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there you go. There you go. And uh, yeah, man, I I was motivated to run for office. Kind of. I mean, the, the Trump era has been very troubling for a lot of people. But, man, you know, trying to communicate with my own guy, with with my representative, has been, it was just challenging. Like, I, I should show the audience the picture I just showed you. Uh, yeah, of your, of your missing, uh, yeah. your, your so, missing legislator. Sorry, I'm no, going to no. let you finish. No, no, it's, <laughs> I have the same problem. So it's, it's the same no, thing in it, my district. She's going to let you finish, but Beyonce had the greatest video no, no, in the world. <laughs> we love lemonade. So, so he and I were just talking before we got on the show yes. about our representatives not representing us. We can't even see them. Right. His, his district has 13 counties. 13 counties. Uh, I wow. live in the 7th district, which has 11 counties. Um, I have toured all over, all 11 of them. I have never in all of my days seen Mr. Billy Long in person. And so we, and I cannot take singular credit for this, there are a lot of wonderful wonderful people in the 7th district um, who put together some of these flyers that were pretend like missing flyers. <laughs> and this, have you seen me, we're missing Billy Long. Does yeah. he really exist? I'm starting to wonder. Right. Yeah. In your face. <laughs> so, I'm not uh, sure he's a real person. I recommend anymore. if you're in the seventh, uh, that's what you I know, hear. yeah, that's get a hold of us. We can definitely get you copies of this. If you're in someone else's district and they're missing too, uh, I, I would say do some kind of campaign to not to rain on John's parade, but do you guys get somebody running against him too? I was good. No, I was gonna ask about that. Yeah. I was like, um, so a few names have come forward. Um, we have. Um, 
confirmed, I believe there's a man named John Farmer who is running and a man named Vince Jennings. I have heard whispers that maybe another person or two are considering. I'm not going to drop names until they officially declare, but there will definitely be a primary in that race and somebody on the ticket as a Democrat. Gotcha, gotcha. It's actually a good problem to have down there in that race because you were right about both those guys, Vince Jennings and John Farmer. Uh, And it's a good problem to have when you've got too many good candidates. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, and that's kind of our issue in the third now. It well, went from nobody being right. willing to run against Blaine. Right. So now there's you, there's Katie Gepard. Right, and then a couple uh, other people There's I a saw. few other people that I'm yeah, hearing even a couple may throw their hats in the ring. So, I'm, yeah, I mean, the, the goal is, and I think I heard you mention this before, is like kind of the team effort of trying to make a run at these people. So, you know, the, the goal is, is to replace Blaine, you know, with a Democrat. Yeah. So whoever gets there to do it, you know, I think we all benefit from from putting pressure on him. Like, like he's going to have to talk about the issues. He's going to, I would assume, going to have to do something to get his face seen, you know, in our district. Um, yeah. And, I mean, obviously, uh, my hope is that we have a Democrat um, that can, you know, actually be in that that office, but at the very least, we're putting pressure on him and, and you know, hoping for the best and doing a lot of work. Um, he's it, sitting at about three million right now. He's I mean, sitting at about three million, like and he's seven or something. And he's a multimillionaire on top of that. So, oh, yeah, so he could just drip his own money in there. Now, politics. let me ask you something. Yes. Was he a multimillionaire? Give me just a moment. Was he a multimillionaire before, before he got he, into politics? I'm not really sure. Now, he started in State House in what, 2004, 2005, yeah, something? Yeah. You I'm not I, sure. You know what I find really interesting is how many people get into these seats that pay, you know, forty thousand dollars a year, a couple hundred thousand dollars a year, and before you know it, they're multi-millionaires. Like, where's that money come from? Man. No, I, 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 I don't know. Yeah, I yeah. don't know. You should never go into politics and come out a multi-millionaire. If you did, you did something wrong. Well, and I'm thinking you took payoffs, right? You took bribes. You took something. You took money that you shouldn't have. Pay. And you're, you're, it's one hundred seventy-four thousand a year. You're not representing the people who are actually right. paying your salary. Right. What were you saying, Christy? Um, uh, apparently, this just came across my feed. Apparently, U.S. Speaker of the House Paul Ryan will be in Springfield, Missouri, on Friday with the incumbent Mr. Billy Long huh. for a fundraiser. Oh, yeah. time oh, we didn't need to give them a plug. So, like, so you're gonna show up. You're gonna protest. If yeah, anybody right. goes to that thing, you're going to protest. Right. You're going to make it as difficult as possible yeah. for for those guys to uh, get people out and, and yeah. uh, get them We're involved make them in miserable. their movement. <laughs> yeah, make no, them miserable. If anybody goes, but uh, my choice, I would say, just completely steer clear. Tell all your friends, all your family, do not go because it's not the place that you want to be with Paul Ryan and, and uh, mm-hmm. Billy Long. But uh, those, tell me, tell those, me more about what got you into politics and what man, you know, it was took to get here. You're it was. Curtis Wild, and uh, you know, I discovered this guy Curtis Wild, and uh, I was really looking for Jimmy Superfly Snooka, and I found Curtis. Hey, I'm close. <laughs> close. <laughs> um, I've actually partied with Superfly Jimmy Snooka. Right, see, yeah. I, I knew it. I knew there was a connection. There um, I just, you know, I started to contact the, the the Democratic Party DMP, which at the time I I'm like, who do I get a hold of about MDP? MDP, sorry, right. to um, uh, 
to see, hey, could I knock doors or could I do a phone bank or something? So to get involved, because I'm a songwriter and I've been writing songs about social issues for 35 years. And but I mean, I write songs. And, you know, you have a comment on Facebook, you talk amongst your friends, and I mean, you go on iTunes, you can listen to my music and, and download it, and there's a message in my stuff typically. But you to 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 make a change with that. You know, I'm, I'm not Rage Against the Machine, number one. You know, they're more popular. They can move more people. Or you two, a big artist can move more. influence. More. Yeah, more they have influence. more influence. And, uh, and I'm like, what can I do to, to get more involved in this stuff that bothers me? So I'm, I've been a foster parent advocate for 10 years. And I would say that my, my path of being a musician, writing tunes about social issues, and then dealing with St. Louis County Courts and all these different institutions and being a foster parent has it's a lot of bureaucracy involved it got me in the habit of having to go to meetings and have having to you know find resources for kids and and, and doing a lot of work that i didn't get paid for that needed to be done in service of these kids and so well, that's the world of politics you did a whole right, lot of work that you right, didn't get paid for right so so <laughs> so when they kept saying i start calling in like i don't know july mm-hmm. and i was like hey is anybody running because then i go nobody's running do you want to run and I was like, do I know you? And I <laughs> dismissed it completely. But I kept I kept looking, like, what's going on in, in three? You know, and I'd write a letter occasionally to Blaine, and my response would be like something that was just, I literally, I think the staffer looked at Fox News and went, oh, there's a Fox News talking point. And I was like, no, man. So I, uh, I was not seeing anything, and then I called in December, and they were still like really unsure about who was going to run and didn't really have a name. They pulled somebody out, and I looked up that person, and that person was invisible. And so I was like, you know what? Screw it. I'll run. I'll try. Why not? Because right. nobody else, no, no other seasoned politician who has a name or whatever is running, and, and I do play music, so I'm used to being in the public spotlight and whatever, so it doesn't bother me. Um, so I just decided to run and started making calls and, and reached out, like, met a few people, connected with you, some other people, Corey Bush, in, uh, who's running in one, some people who, who, who got back to me and said, hey, here's what you do, or here's who you talk to, or try this. Here's the path. Yeah, and, 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 and the path is not, ch- it, it is challenging. And I, I believe that progressives, Democrats, whatever have, we have a lot of work to do in, in our own party. To, to, it, there are a lot of very motivated people at the grassroots, such as yourself, and all the people that I meet that are running, they, they're really working hard. Yeah. And I know that we're in a rebuilding season, but you know this this I, this is all new to me. Like I, my my idea of what this was going to be like three and a half months ago was totally different than what it is. Yeah. But what I want to happen yeah, the is the reality doesn't really meet the idea. Of no, it doesn't. Know. It doesn't. But but the end result, I still want the same end result. And the end result is is that is that I want to be able to see progressive I- ideals out there in, in, in being, being in Congress, being in, or in Missouri. You know, we have a, a, like the state house is very GOP-led. And so I would like to see voices that are like, even, God, give me a moderate. I'll take a moderate over some of these people, but really. That's one of us. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? But, <laughs> well, I were considering the alternative. Yeah, I hear you. You know, I'm like, I, I really want to see people who, who present themselves as, as nice people. Who think of other people besides themselves? Who are not beholden to money? We need a whole lot more of that, don't we? Yeah, you know, and and I'm just like, 
Democrats have a big tent. We have a lot of different people with a lot of different ideas. I think they all fall within the, hey, let's be nice to each other. Let's not steal. Let's not lie. Let's try to do our best to help kids and help. Have a little compassion. Compassion, you know. Empathy. What happened right. to that? Well, you know, I just, I, I think if you if you start with, hey, what benefits everybody or the most people and work your way out from there, I think a lot of this others, the decisions get a lot easier to make. Yeah. But if you're like, well, you know, the Koch brothers, you're going to give me $3 million if I say this, 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 this <laughs> thing that screws my constituents, but I get the money, right. then you took the whole consideration for everybody else out of the picture. Absolutely. So that's like, for me, I'm, that's my, my hope is like everybody that I talk to and everybody. And now your decision making is skewed. Uh, now you're not able to make the proper decisions because you're not listening to the right thing. Right. You're listening to money. Right. You're not listening to people. Right. Uh, so, Sarah, let, let's come over here to you. What is uh, kind of your history? I know you mentioned Bernie and how that got you involved in politics, but your regular job, your everyday, what, what do you do? Uh, my regular job. So I, I actually like to joke about this because I was uh, – I was a biology major. I studied science all through college, and uh, then I worked retail. Um, so I, uh, I've been in retail literally since I graduated college. I have worked my way up. I'm actually in HR now. Um, so still a, a little bit, it's kind of the politician of the workplace in a little bit. You know, I, I have to be very um, – I'm the moderator a lot of times, and I have to look for uh, the right solution that helps everyone um, – so it, it, it kind of was a natural leeway in, in that sense, that I, I've always been someone who's trying to take care of everyone and, and work for the greater good. So now I'm just kind of taking a leap into a greater stage. Awesome. Awesome. So what are some, some uh, issues and values that are really important to you? What would you say is your, your number one? Like mine is sustainability. Because I believe that, that so many things fall under that. You have to have good education or we're not sustainable. You have to have uh, good social justice, good economic justice, social justice, or we're not sustainable. So I always just say sustainability is my big number one issue. What's yours? Yeah. I, uh, my instinct is to say equality, but if, if any Republicans are watching this, I don't want them to take it the wrong way because... Any argument we throw at them of, you know, fair wages or any kind of educational argument, the first thing they throw back at us is, oh, you just want to give a handout. Nobody's asking for a handout. They're asking to be on the same playing field. And I think kind of going along with your sustainability, um, you know, if we're not starting on the same playing field, if we don't have the same access to education, the same access to fair wages, health care, any of those things, then we can't sustain our society because it's we have already over the last 10 or 20 years we've experienced this huge gap the inequality the rich are getting richer the poor are getting poorer and we can't sustain a nation much longer if that is our trajectory right it's absolutely true so what are you guys gonna gonna do to, yeah <laughs> Thank excellent you. answer excellent <laughs> answer um so what are some things that, that you guys are seeing on the horizon that uh, you're going to try to institute as, as maybe tools. I don't want you to give away your, your tool book or, or your playbook, uh, but what are some things that, that people should get excited about? Well, you know, she brought up education, which is, you know, my parents were career educators, so I grew up in that that sort of uh, uh, household and my whole family, like everybody's a teacher, counselor, whatever. And I really 
education is a huge thing, and, and it, I've been hep to the fact I'm learning a lot about my district. And, you know, it's, there are counties and school districts in my district, in Missouri, that are on four-day school weeks because they can't afford to pay teachers. That is, people in St. Louis don't know that. They don't, they're like, really? Yeah, yeah, man. I mean, and I'm learning this because I'm talking to people running for house or doing things in these other counties, and they're like, yeah, man, this is a problem because we don't have enough funding for our schools. Can I go off of that, yeah, yeah. which you may or may not have already encountered, but a lot of these districts are even combining what used to be two or three districts are now right. one. I've heard that. And children are being bused from across the county to their school. Mm-hmm. I've heard of districts that have as much as a two-hour drive one way to get to school. How ridiculous is that? Right. How ridiculous is that? And these are in rural well, communities. What kind of mindset are those children in by the time they, you said two hour one way or two one hour? One way. Two hours sitting on a bus. What kind of mindset are you in? How, how can you have that? I know when I was a kid. You feel like uh, They always ran. Yeah, you feel like that too. You feel like going to sleep. I wouldn't want to be that bus driver either. I wouldn't want to be the bus driver. I wouldn't want to be the kids. I right. know when, when I was a kid, you wanted to get up early. You wanted to brush your teeth, uh, you know, maybe take a shower, wash your face. But uh, then you wanted to have a good breakfast. You wanted to make sure you were as prepared as you could possibly be for that day. And uh, it came down to to now they're just like trying to ship them to school like a UPS truck. Uh, and that, that's an issue. Well, and I, that's and I an think issue. the problem being, I'm assuming, and again, this is something I'm still digging into because in a way like that, there's some state issues and there are state issues and federal issues and local issues, yeah. you know, with the school funding, it's coming from, you know, whether it's property tax and then some state funding that's put in there. And, and we, uh, we have not met state funding. I, they did it last year, the year before, I think 2016, they made, met the state budget. Uh, for the first time in a while, they do not want to pay for preschool. So they're like, um, I'm trying to think what the figure was, it was like 25 or 44 million dollars short of whatever, it's the exact figure of paying for preschool. So the state does not want to pay for preschool. Um, which w- what it ends up doing is it leaves the school district short you know, from that state funding. But I, I don't know what's going on with that. Like I literally, I don't know personally what the funding issues are, how we can fix it. I do know that that having Betsy DeVos uh, in the... Uh, <laughs> that doesn't fix anything. Right. Yeah. It is a problem. She And I, I've also been hepped to the fact that they are pushing charter schools in some of these districts. Even in, did you just say hepped? Hepped. That's H-E-P. Oh, man. I was hoping you said hepped. I was just going to brag about no, you. Hepped. I was going to be like, what other congressional candidate is going to say I was hipped no. to something? Hepped. That's even better. Yeah, yeah, I thought you earned points with me. Never yeah, mind. Yeah, yeah. You were awarded no points. No, 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 no. And may God have mercy on your soul. There's, there's no humanity in our policies anymore no. for our government. There's just none. And... You know, I think is it that is all because of money, though, Derek. It, it, it's well, it's not the money; it's the greed, and that always the story. Uh, so, you know, that's something that I'm striving to bring in my race. Is even if you're on the other side from me and we disagree, I'm not going to come at you with anything except, you know, we disagree. You know, uh, but you're still a person. Yeah. I still, uh, you know. You still want your kids to go to school? Uh, me e- too. E- even if you're not you for know? me, I'm still for you. <laughs> yeah. And I'm going to go work like that. So, yeah. uh, you know, I think that is one of the biggest things progressive brings to the table is that humanity. Mm-hmm. You know, we, have, we, we, we care about the people we don't know. 
Yeah. Well, yeah, that's a good way to put right. it. Well put. And a lot of times the broader issue gets lost. I mean, you're talking about if they don't fund preschools or daycare. Did you say preschool? Yeah, preschool funding seems to be the um, stickler on state funding. But then take that a step further. If if these children that parents thought were going to be going to preschool so that they could start going back to work, now they have to figure out, do I stay home and take care of the kids? Like or do I find day school week, too. What are you doing Friday? Right. Do I find daycare? Can I afford daycare? How mm -hmm. am I supposed to work a job and Have pay you, for this? Uh, a phenomenon I've seen. I've seen a lot of kids bring Brock to work in the last few years where, you know, uh, I don't know what it's like where anyone else works, but, uh, you know, I see that. And I don't have a problem with that or anything like that. Bringing I'm just bringing, it, bringing their children to work because of lack of child care. Yeah. And, you know, uh... Well, you know, day and age, if my, you... my, my parents didn't take me to work, uh, you know, uh, didn't have to. I mean, that's not really the point. The point is, you know, I, I personally am seeing it more and more. And to me, it's another symptom of, you know, even people that are seemingly, you know, consider well off are having a hard time finding The, co the cost of child care is super expensive. And I have a number of friends, even, uh, even someone who was one of our caseworkers uh, in the foster care system, she had her master's, was had an administrative position, had earned an administrative position in a in an agency. Suddenly, got pregnant, and she had to quit her job as an administrator because they couldn't afford, like you know, it was cheaper for her to quit and have the husband work and her take care of the kids than for both of them to work and get daycare for the kids so they could both work. And that I have a number of friends, and I'm a musician, so I have a number of friends who's the wife works, they have a kid, musician takes care of the kid during day, works part-time at night, whatever, and, and that's the way they can do it because the cost of, of that health care is, is literally like another adult's paycheck. Yeah. It absolutely you is. Know? And the thing is, is that uh, we have a choice. A lot of people nowadays have a choice. It's either uh, you stay home with your children or you go to work and you pay someone else to, to stay, stay home with, with your children. Right. Um, so right. We, we got to fix this, man. We got to fix yep. the system. There has to be a better way to do that. Because I'm, you, you, we benefit from... So what are some better ways? That, well, that's a good question. Um, and I'm asking you, you're running for Congress. Yeah, now. no, no, it's a very good question. <laughs> well, you know, in, in, in our parents' day and age, there was the you know the one earner breadwinner thing, yeah. and and I I've read actually read a few articles recently regarding that people who kind of tried the breadwinner thing and, and and the thing unless that breadwinner makes a lot of money and our wages historically for a while have been flat so the people in the bottom and the middle doing this and the people at the top obviously are just making exponentially more money and then you have uh, you know the the issue of um, of cost of living like goes up, you know what I'm saying? So that that one person can't afford to make enough money to have a house and two cars and pay for the kids and whatever. So you really kind of need to have two people. Why did that happen? Well, partially because the wages of like if you obviously flipping burgers, you're going to have an issue with how much a like an entry level job is going to pay. But if you have skilled labor, you have educated, like you talk about, you have, you know, uh, a master's degree-ish or, you know, a bachelor's Half of a master's. Something. You know what I'm saying? But, I mean, you spent some time in school, right? So, you know, you spent that money and still the job that you can get with even a degree is, is really not going to be enough. Yeah. Uh, my generation was raised on our parents telling us, get any degree right. and you can get any job. Right. But basically, as soon as we hit high school or college, that wasn't true anymore. So we're already on that path. 
and we're already like up against the ceiling of they're not letting go of those jobs they've already got. Right. But we're graduating and right. we need something. And you add it to that student loans. So mm -hmm. student loans can be four, five, six, eight hundred bucks a month or more. Then you're like, oh man, that knocked out a week of work right there paying my student loan. Like, boom, that was like that. So now I'm getting paid three weeks' wages because one of my weeks of wages was covering my student loan for and two of those, years. Two of those weeks are rent, so now you got one week yes. for the rest of everything. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and so it's hard to get traction. You know, if you had if you had job opportunities where it was kind of going like this, and okay, you have an entry level job. This is twenty five or thirty or thirty five or whatever it is, depending on the community. Like I lived in Boston for a long time. You can't live on twenty five a year in Boston. Mm -hmm. You, you might barely can anyway. Right. You know, what I mean, it, it's that's not very much money. But there there are entry level jobs that are college degree jobs where people are getting twenty five or thirty a year to start out, and I don't know how you could do that. Like you have to stay with your parents. It seems like uh, any more bachelor's degree is about the same as a high school diploma used to be. Yeah. And you know, you had to go out and spend how much to get that? Uh, um, you know, yeah. well, I'm not looking Depending for a number. I'm just saying, no, you know, but the majority of people. I was trying to think of the average, it, but it's in the tens of thousands. Student loan right. style, right? I'm, I'm not, and I'm, I'm like you. I'm not even get into my student loans. They're ridiculous, and I almost feel like we were all, uh, you know, instead of, you know, we were all raised. Oh, you got to go to college, like you were saying. We we're, we we're push that narrative and in retrospect it's like were they really just feeding us all to the student loan companies that <laughs> it's kind of what happened uh, I don't think that was their intention but that's, that's sure, it sure worked out yeah. for them so Result. it didn't work that out for us result. but uh so I feel like you know to the to the answer of, of some some kind of, 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 right. of to a fix solution. that a solution most people that, that let's say you have a job that you're working for a company or a corporation, they're going to have to loosen up some purse strings and start paying people who are higher up on the ladder so that those middle people in the middle, and, and it's funny, you see people fuss about, oh, you know, if you give uh, such and such $15 an hour, blah, 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 like, did you think about maybe you're not getting paid enough? Yeah. Did you think about you are just, your wages have remained just as flat as a guy flipping burgers? Mm -hmm. Well, that's what I would tell people at the door is they'd be like, wait, you're for a $15 an hour minimum wage. Somebody at McDonald's doesn't deserve $15. I'm like, well, wait a minute. How much do you if, deserve? If minimum, right. wage, if right. minimum yeah. wage would have stayed indexed with inflation and uh, productivity, we'd be sitting at about twenty-one seventy-four an hour right now. Right. So are you making enough? And it's funny how uh, heavily that ties in. Herman and I were talking earlier about the media and how people were conditioned to think. Yeah. I don't deserve to make a living wage, and you know I, I find that I personally have uh, two or three jobs. I think it's sad that you know they have conditioned the people in this state, this country, to to think to that think that's the they, they don't deserve better than what they have. When you have you know. CEOs making what four hundred times, I disagree. I think they absolutely deserve better, but absolutely, you know, I, I, I don't mind people rising you know. tides. Right, raise all boats. boats yeah. I don't mind people making money. Either. It's just when when you when people you're make money, money, everyone makes. I mean, well, the thing is, is that the bottom ninety nine percent, they spend one hundred and ten percent of every dollar right. that yep. they get, right? And the top percent that spends like three percent, they just hoard it, or they just hoard it. Yeah. Yes, uh, the money so, does not move. Oh, you mean so what? How, how oh, are we going to boom trickle the down. economy? Trickle down. You're and tax cuts. Don't forget tax cuts. Tax cuts. Sorry. If poor people have more money, right. they're going to spend more money. They if are. they spend more money, it's going to boom the economy. Yes. You don't have to be an economist. You can look like a biker and yes. still know these things. Well, right. and, and why is it they have been pushing this since Reagan and people are still 
still buying it. it. Yes, yeah. literally. I Come mean, on. you know, I don't know. Never worked, and it took them time to, to realize that. But but now they still are trying to go back to that same well that already dried up. Yep. Because it's an altruistic ideal that like that they sell to people. But I'm pretty sure that they know that they're going to take all that money and they're going to put it back into their own pockets. Yeah. But we all know that. Well, that's what's gonna... happening with the tax breaks right now. Right now, yeah. and they're still shipping jobs overseas. Mm-hmm. Uh, Harley Davidson in Kansas City. I know. Eight hundred jobs. Yeah. Eight hundred jobs gone. Yeah. Gone. Those workers. And what are those workers going to do? What are those workers going to do? Those people are people that probably said people at McDonald's don't deserve fifteen dollars an hour, and now they're going to be some and of McDonald's those people. McDonald's making eight, ten bucks. An yeah. Hour, eight yeah. Bucks an hour. Or go to the Best Buy until it closes because right. now Amazon's out. And so, and I think what they did with that Harley Davidson thing is, is that market is kind of condensing in America. So they're sending that plant, so to speak, to Indonesia or something. And but there's like there are same thing they always do. But something about if they if they import the motorcycle there, they have to pay a hundred percent here. But if they put the parts together there, they don't. Wow. I believe that wow. was the story. So, so, you know, I'm saying that that added thing of like, oh, well, they're still going to make motorcycles for a different market, but it's cheaper for them to make the parts here, ship it there, and then put it together and sell it to them instead of making it here. Well, that's like the, what is it, bananas? They, or, uh, no, fish. They, they're sending fish, no, chicken. It's chicken. They're sending chicken to make China. Make up my mind. Yeah, make up my mind. It was 1984. Well, my viewers will hold me accountable, and I don't mind that whatsoever. Tell them in the comments uh, that he was wrong. <laughs> yes, tell me in the comments that I was wrong. But I believe that it was uh, fish, uh, fresh fish, that they are now going to be shipping to China to have it cleaned and processed. And, and ship back it here. back to America. I heard that. Chicken. I think it's chicken. Chicken, chicken. yeah. No, Thank you. Right. Thank you. We have a Google machine over here. <laughs> if I was Joe Rogan, she would be my Jamie. Oh. <laughs> um, well, we do have another guest. Brian, this is your second time on the show. Let's bring you on in. Brian Strubig. We're going to put you in the middle of John and, and, and he's Derek. And he's still got his tie and his coat on. Oh, that's nasty. Make sure I thought it looked bad, Brian. I'll start with that. That's what I do. I should go back to the bar and get mine. So now we're at a table with five candidates. You made it official today. Let's mm-hmm. talk about how do you feel. Uh, excited. Yeah. Very excited. Yeah. I mean, expunge. Elaborate. Elaborate. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm I'm really happy to have the opportunity to give uh, workers a voice uh, in Missouri. Tell everybody where you're running in case they didn't I'm, see uh, the other episode. In case you didn't see the other episode, I'm running for state senate in the 6th uh, uh, Senate District, uh, which is Miller County, Morgan County, Montauk County, Cole County, Osage County, Mary's County. I think I got them all. <laughs> I think you did, too. I think you did, too. So uh, did you see anybody good over there? Did you? I asked Jay Ashcroft to take a picture of me and Chrissy earlier. I didn't even know it was Jay Ashcroft. <laughs> Jay? I don't need to I know. literally I walked up to him and said, Ashcroft. why do you look familiar? Like, <laughs> and, and, unless uh, there, there's some issue going on that I need his help, then I don't really need to know who Jay Ashcroft yeah. is. But, yeah, I walked over and, and asked him to take the picture, and he was fully and completely about to take this picture. And one of the women who were working there runs over and, no, no, I'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> and, and I thought to myself, well, he might be a bigwig or something, the way that she ran right, over right, was right. like, no, no, don't you don't have to do anything. No, they were fighting over who gets to take your picture. Uh, that could have been, yeah, been. Yeah, I don't think it's 
But then when we left there, Chrissy was like, do you know who that was? And I was like, no. <laughs> She's like, Jay Ashcroft, that was uh, Secretary of State. He was checking you out. Can I I tell a story? Please do. So you guys got there much earlier than I did. Uh, When I show up, there's this big crowd in front of the door. And I'm walking up, and another man uh, is is walking out. And I'm like, do you know what's going on over there? And he's like, oh, yeah, uh, Josh Hawley is is giving an interview. And he's got this big rally going. And uh, this gentleman stops and talks to me for a few minutes. And while he's still talking, the, the rally wraps up. And Josh Holly starts walking my way. Like, cameras are still in his face. They're still asking him questions. And he's walking, you know, to his car. And I will forever kick myself for missing this opportunity because I didn't want to interrupt this man who was talking. But Josh Holly walks literally right in front of me, close enough I could have touched him if I wanted to get arrested today. You mean tripping. And I, the urge, the urge was in me to just yell, like, vote for Claire or anything that would come out. But I, I didn't. I contained myself and... I want everyone to know that I almost fought for you. But I'm so proud of you. <laughs> but felt just the side of decency right. and allowed the man to finish his own interview. She was raging uh, internally. You're taking was. the high road. Yeah. yeah. yeah absolutely. Very good. So uh, where did you say you're running in again, Brian? Uh, the 6th Senatorial District. 6th Senatorial District. Derek is running in. The 134th Legislative District. John is running in. 3rd Congressional District of Missouri. Sarah is running in. 162nd Legislative District. And I am running in District 107, of course. And we're right here on (laughs) Next Gen Dems. This is an impromptu episode, ladies and gentlemen. So um, we're just kind of flying by the seat of our pants, as I always do. But today is a little bit more off the cuff, a little bit more shooting from the hip. um, Because we were just doing this thing. We set up in a a wonderful restaurant, uh, Eris. Uh, a pizzeria here in Jefferson City. Um, so come here and check it out. They've got great spin dip. They had a great gyro. Um, I'm not sure exactly what other food they have here, but you can get pizza Maybe and all that pizza, good yeah. stuff. Yes, at a pizzeria. That would be ironic. Uh, I was surprised they had a great <laughs> gyro, you know? Right. It's a pizzeria. But never goes to a pizzeria and gets a gyro. This, this guy. guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fully and completely guilty. Um, but yeah, we are just rocking and rolling right here. And, and Brian is the newest addition to this particular episode. So tell us a little bit about your issues, a little bit about who you're running against and all that. Uh, I. The Republican I will be running against is uh, Birkensauter. He is currently an incumbent uh, as a state rep, but he is term limited out. I haven't seen who else has uh, filed yet today, so kind of waiting to see how that all goes. Um, the issues I'm really trying to focus on is trying to keep our small communities within the 6th District from just straight out disappearing. Uh, you know, we, we export our biggest uh, resource in in the area, which is our youth. 90, 95% of uh, our high school graduates are going to leave our community and never come back. And but that's because a lot of people in that community will tell them, don't come back, there's nothing here for you. Absolutely, and I, you know, I had to give that same speech to my stepdaughter when she graduated high school last year. That's a difficult speech to give, I'm sure. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, I'm working towards that. Uh, so that's why you're fighting, is yes. to give them something to be able to come back to, something to call home and be proud of. Absolutely. I have uh, an 11-year-old about to turn 12, and I don't want to have to give him that same speech in a couple of years when he graduates high school. Yeah. Uh, so we, you know, our communities are on the cusp 
of being past the point of no return. I've seen this happen when I worked up in Iowa and Minnesota. Um, you know, when when the youth don't come back, the mom and pop stores no longer have customers to uh, keep them up and running. Uh, your school districts, as we've already seen in Mary's County, uh, gets consolidated. So kids are taking a much, much longer bus ride, you know, uh, maybe up to two hours. Um, and and they're, they're sharing one laptop between, uh, you know, between two classrooms. Uh, they're already down to four days a week, uh, which puts an incredible burden on parents that live in the district, especially if you have small children. They, what, what do you do? Do you tell your boss, I'm sorry, you know, I can only work four days a week, you know, because I can't afford to pay for health or for child care but that's, and that's, too. That's, that's not exactly <laughs> correct. It, it's that uh, the state decides that they can't afford to have public schools on those days. Yeah. So that's not exactly on you or your friend, so to speak. Well, it, uh, actually, in Mary's County, uh, choosing to go to a four-day school week was an idea that the school board had, and they did go ahead and re or institute it to save money. Correct. Th thinking that they were going to save like a hundred and ninety-seven thousand dollars a year. But it turns out that they were incorrect in that assumption because even if the kids aren't in school, you still got to heat the place, otherwise your pipes are going to burst in the wintertime. Uh, you're still going to have to pay for janitors <coughs> on the day that they don't have school because you still have football games, you still have track meets, you still have you know, all the extracurricular activities that you still have to have. The school's still operating for. with a skeleton crew maybe, but they're still operating. They're still, they're still operating, so they're right. not really saving any money whatsoever. Exactly right. So, how did it get that way, and how do we get it back to where it needs to be? Well, um, it it got that way over a long period of time. A lot of the uh, communities in my district um, suffered greatly when NAFTA went into effect. Uh, they watched a lot of the you know a lot of factories and mills signed by a Democrat. You, you wonder why they got mad at us. Exactly. Just saying. Yeah. Um, <laughs> when when those factories left, it wasn't like there were other businesses or jobs in the area that could absorb that loss like you can sometimes get in St. Louis, Kansas City area. Um, so when the main employer of the town <laughs> leaves, you know the those the that had dies. You know, the town it's dies. Just the, that simple. Yeah, the, those that had the means to to move will move. Those who don't, or you know, are close to retirement or something. They're going to stay there and dilapidate with the town. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And when uh, the businesses go away, when the, the schools get consolidated down, your local hospitals end up closing or your local health clinics, uh, I mean, they can't even get uh, a nurse practitioner in that area because there isn't uh, a clinic within the mileage range that they require them to have in, in Missouri. They can't even get a pharmacy in that area because there's not a clinic in that area. So as a state senator in uh, Missouri's 6th senatorial district, uh, what are, are you planning on doing to battle some of that? Um, first thing we have to do is uh, shore up our, our small businesses. Uh, you know, I overheard you guys talking about the $15 minimum wage. Um, as a tax accountant, I see what the small businesses in the area are making. And... Right now, honestly, they can't afford to be able to pay that $15 an hour minimum right. wage. Right, so my suggestion at the doors when people would bring up that very thing is that instead of giving tax breaks and tax incentives to a company like Walmart, we need to give those tax breaks to the mom and pops that can't make it 
um, and be able to let them pay a, a better livable wage um, and invest in, in our communities. That, absolutely. And, you know that you know your small mom and pop places. They, you know, the, their employees are like family. Yeah. They do want to be able to pay them more. Um, but unfortunately, we have... And those people do want to work hard for those people that are paying. Absolutely, they, because, because they, they know if, if, the, if like their business... That's like a uncle, you know? Yeah, if their yeah. business is making more money, they know that they're going to be able to make more money. I mean, that's, that's when trickle-down actually does work. Yeah. Uh, but we do have to get rid of some of the regulations that are in the way of small businesses. Such as? Such as fixing the way that we do workers' comp insurance in Missouri. Uh, workers' comp insurance is, uh, you know, handled by usually like one or two insurance companies. Uh, there's no competition really in the markets. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I think I mentioned this on the last podcast, uh, you know, a small business uh, will get audited on their workers' comp every single year. And if they happen to have a slightly better year than the year before, then they're going to get dinged for eight thousand twelve thousand dollars at the end of the year you know when you have to start paying your workers comp for you know uh, the next year if you don't have that you can't keep the doors open uh, if you you know if you could help them with that audit process uh, to make it not sting as much because that eight thousand dollars that twelve thousand dollars could go towards a raise uh, for their employees how would, how would something like say uh, Healthcare as a human right, Medicare for all, uh, play into that. It'd be not so much with workers' comp, but it would free up a lot of money. Um, I mean, I myself personally had to pay about $600 a month uh, with a $6,000 uh, deductible and 20% uh, coinsurance after that. That's, you know, that, that eats up almost half of my income. And that's just for myself. It doesn't count, you know, my son or anybody else that's living in our household. Um, and that's the same for everybody else that lives in the district. Uh, if you did have uh, a Medicare for All system, which, you know, I don't think we can necessarily do on the state level, but John can get that done in Congress. Uh, so what do you think about that, John? Well, I, I like talking to Brian, and I, like, I, I appreciate meeting with state people. Uh, Senate and House, uh, because, like I mentioned, the, the, the four-day school stuff and all the funding issues, I hear different issues from different people in different areas, because you know, St. Charles has a different issue than Ferris County, and then I'm in Franklin County. The, the sheriff of Franklin County just came out last night. They want to build, uh, build a new jail, so they need $50 million to build a new jail. Mm -hmm. So in, in our county, that's an issue different issues and spending and whatever, you know, affects people. And, you know, to hear somebody like Brian, uh, for instance, be able to bring up a specific issue, because I know he's a tax accountant, to say, hey, here's $8,000 of workers' comp insurance that a small business could use. Mm -hmm. And I've actually worked for a, a chiropractor in the past. I understand, like, workers' comp cases, there's a lot of money in that. Mm -hmm. There's, like, you know, uh, there are a number of... I would say, speaking from a chiropractor, and I can't speak on other industries, but uh, and I work for a spine surgeon, but lots of workers' comp money flows through that, and usually that is not insurance. That is, there's lawsuits. Am mm -hmm. I correct in that? So a lot of the workers' comp stuff is handled like when I worked for a chiropractor, he literally had a lawyer 
on retainer, and he just we would just shovel cases for the workers' comp case. And, and you know, you get paid like the um, the insurance rate for something, and the insurance rate was like, you know, trying to pry money out of the insurance company. Workers' comp cases, you just take the lawyer, like here's ten grand, here's twenty grand, here's fifty grand, here's a hundred grand. There's a lot of money in those workers' comp cases, so I can only imagine what those small businesses are going through if they get a workers' comp case. Oh yeah, and and you know. Workers' comp, any, almost any kind of insurance. It's it's funny. It's the only product that you will buy, where you have to buy a secondary product, i.e., a lawyer, in order to be able to use that product yeah. and be able to get the benefit from that. Uh, but something that I didn't get a chance to mention, you know, if they do have a good year, they do get, you know, ding, they have to pay that that penalty. If they have a less substantial year than they had planned on, because this is all prorated out uh, over the year. They, they don't get a discount. You know, the, their, their prices aren't going down. It's just a, ste- a steady increase. So that, that that's one way to be able to help shore up our, our small businesses. Um, we also need to, you know, I, most of my district is very rural, uh, and we need to do something to help shore up the farmers. I was happy that our uh, Republican friends in the state uh, uh, house went ahead and, and pushed through the bill to get industrial hemp in, in Missouri again. Uh, that's, I think that could be a game changer for uh, a lot of farmers. Definitely half the battle. It's a good uh, start. Yeah, I mean, yeah. You, you get about $120 uh, for a round bale uh, of hemp uh, as opposed to hay, which you're only getting about 30 bucks. You know, I know a lot of farmers that left it in the field because it wasn't worth the diesel fuel to have to go and, move it, yeah. yeah, to even you know cut it and do anything with it. Um, so explain uh, why this is such a good thing. Well, why is hemp a good thing? Well, uh, <laughs> material sciences has come a very, very long way. Uh, they are now able to use hemp uh, building uh, the bodies of, of cars, which make uh, is lighter than steel and also stronger than steel in most cases. Um, Obviously, Wait, has Henry Ford ever built a car? Yes, he did. Yes, he oh. did. We, we've talked about this. Uh, Henry Ford actually had a car that you know uh, was made. It had, it had steel in it because material sciences weren't there. But back in 1941, he was he had this car that was made out of hemp, um, could be powered by biodiesel made from hemp. Uh, that he was touring through the uh, through the country, and it was it was picking up steam. And then uh, the Japanese bombed Pearl Harbor, and we got pulled into World War II. And off and that went because all the hemp needed to be used for, for the war effort. That'd be used to, you know, make uniforms, you know, duffel bags, rope, you know. And they used name. to encourage people to yeah. make hemp. Yeah, there, there were was campaigns. Yeah, hemp there was for America, big... hemp for freedom. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, but uh, another way that I think hemp is also going to help revitalize our rural communities is right now in Missouri, or actually anywhere in the United States, as far as I know, maybe Colorado might have some, uh, but there's no milling facilities to be able to turn the raw material into an actual product. Wait, are you telling me that this whole industrialized hemp may be able to create jobs? Absolutely, because it's going to take jobs to be able to build these mills. It'll take jobs to be able to uh, work those mills. Well, now they're, what they're, about cannabis? What about, can- what about cannabis? Cannabis, uh, I've had a lot of uh, people that I've talked to that would like to uh, see it legalized in Missouri. 
I think that's an issue that should be. Will that I, create jobs? Oh, absolutely. Will that create revenue? No, oh, a ton of revenue. Mind just, just blown. Look, yeah, just look over at Colorado. But I think that is one of those things that should what's be. What's going on in Colorado for for a layman who may not know exactly what's happening in Colorado because of the legalization well, of they, cannabis? Well, um, they actually had a tax holiday last year uh, because they collected more taxes than they anticipated, and they have a uh, constitutional amendment in Colorado that says if you collect more than you expected, you're not allowed to collect any more. You know, where uh, it has to be redistributed. They collected more taxes on uh, cannabis than they did on alcohol or tobacco or firearms throughout the entire state. And then what they use that to pay for? They use that to pay for schools. They use that to pay for roads, both things that we need a lot here. <laughs> what the hell are you saying? I know. Yeah. Um, that was just like a sudden injection of money oh. into the state. So, Missouri, you, you're going to have to start getting on board. John, where do you stand with cannabis legalization? Well, I, I hate to say my, my, my first off, I've been a musician for 35 years, and I spent a lot of time in bars and venues. And he's going to be the only one against it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> and I'm straight edge. I've never been high be or drunk edge. ever in my entire life. All right. Nobody has ever punched me in the face when, I, when they were high. I say that because there's such a difference, and I think, you know, like even last night when we talked with the sheriff from Franklin County, Marijuana is the gateway drug. And I'm like, man, not A glass really. of milk is the gateway drug yeah. if you're an alcoholic. You know, so I, you know? I think that the, the stigma that's been attached to marijuana in general and obviously the history of the people who care is, like, more complicated than, oh, it's a horrible drug that kills. And the, the reefer madness, you know, mindset <laughs> is, like, I see people, I have seen people get drunk and act really stupid for 35 okay. years. I have had people I can I can name you names and, and tell you stories about people that I knew that got drunk. I said, "Man, you're too drunk." They got in their car and ran into a tree and they're dead. Yeah. So, the fact is, is that you don't my, hear that when people are on cannabis. Yeah. You don't hear those stories. No, you just don't. I, yeah. I mean, like I personally wouldn't smoke weed, but I I honestly I've never been hassled by somebody who was high. I've never been. I I I, I the one thing I understand is that it's maybe it's coming in from Mexico or whatever. But if you make it here and you sell it here and you tax it here, then and you're don't taking you away cut that off? drug trade, that illegal right. drug trade. You're taking away the blood money. Is it that right? Is That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. I'm like, you don't need a wall in that respect because it's legalized and it's coming here. And if the worst thing is is that is you have a natural product that you can get so many other benefits from mm -hmm. And like I said, the farmers and and your the, the was one hundred thirty bucks. Uh, one hundred twenty dollars for a bale. Uh, average acre uh, is going to bring about a uh, little over twelve thousand dollars just for just for the seed uh, that you're able to pull out of it because there's a big market for seed as well. The benefits um, so far outweigh the possible downside that it's and like the oil that comes from the, the oil that comes from it. Uh, they, you know, they're very. It's already legal in Missouri to to use the oil for uh, uh, seizures and in children. Um, they have been utilizing it in other states to uh, help uh, patients with Parkinson's. You know, they'll throw a couple drops, and this has no THC in it, or 0.03%, as opposed to you know regular marijuana, which is you know uh, I think it's like a 20%. Uh, THC level, 
uh, which is the part that makes you feel high and happy and everything. Uh, well, I mean, if they did it uh, here like they do in California, it would actually have a listing to tell you the exact percentages of what is in the product. So it would be regulated, yeah, basically. You know, you your, it's absolutely. like getting your nutrition yeah. information. And yeah. yeah, I said on my last episode that my wife and I went into one of the dispensaries when we were at the DNC meeting in mm-hmm. uh, Las Vegas, mm-hmm. and sophisticated is the, the big word that comes to mind because uh, you walk in, you hand an ID, they scan your ID, you walk over, there's a menu board, a lit menu board looking very professional, uh, looking uh, upscale. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you decide what you want, you go in through the room, well, you can decide what you want there uh, and just go get it or you can uh, go into to another room and uh, then you can look at their product. They have, have little things on the table with magnifying glasses on the top wow. of them. You can look really closely at it, and it gives you a layout of exactly what's in that product. You can do edibles, oils, uh, the flowers, and uh, then you're able to leave. Uh, you know, you buy your product, and, and off you go. And they actually have the, the Uber uh, uh, you can scan a, a QR code and get you an Uber from right there. Uh, but in Las Vegas, it's only in, uh, you can only use any type of product like that in uh, your own domicile. So it has to be private property. It has to be like in someone's apartment that lives right. there. Um, so well, I think the there's not a whole lot of tourism going on, I don't think, because you've got to, to know people there. And the elephant in the room out. is... Is it being socially acceptable and legal? You know, because you know what I'm saying? Like that's that's the hurdle is not the practicalities of it. The hurdles are is it socially acceptable? To well, it, I think that there's a lot of social acceptability that's going on with it now. Because I agree. It's become more popularized. Let me touch on before we, we continue um, how it is in, in Washington, D.C., and I've only heard so far, um, but it, they don't actually sell it in Washington, D.C., it's legal but they don't actually sell it. So you call up companies, and these companies sell shirts and hats and bags, and then they give you a free gift, and that free gift just happens to be that product, cannabis. So I think, uh, you know, really, as long as the old drug warriors are still around, you're going to have the war on weed, because that's their most useful tool in the war on drugs. Yeah. Well, yeah. And yeah, yes, what, frankly, what you know. What usefulness is, does it really have nowadays? I think well, it doesn't, but I mean, they still like to, that's why they won't just go all the way and just legalize it already. Well, they, I, they can do it so easily at the federal level. Yeah, and, I agree. Uh, they just I won't. They just don't. You know, we need to study more. They always have the exactly reasons. Are yep. going to lose a lot of money from people. Well, yeah, and that and that's also is another reason they've gone after him. I mean, they they leave, they made it legal in the first place because it was getting into Dupont and Hearst uh, timber and paper interests. It didn't have anything to do with the drugs, and they made up the bullshit. Mexicans and jazz guys like it. Oh, scary! And uh, those jazz guys. Those yeah, jazz I know. Guys. You know. I know. Isn't that and funny? It's the gateway sound. Yeah, yeah. right. <laughs> they're they're <laughs> free for madness, and now it's a comedy. I know. Yeah, I know. They just will not. They really used serious. it for so long, and it's been so effective. I mean, they're not going to give it up without a fight, which is what we're seeing. But I, I, I think it's inevitable. I mean, I really do. It's just. Uh, you know, like some of the other things, can we just can we just do it already? No, we gotta have. Well, it, and not, not and not only that, industry, you right? could go. Well, uh, you also have uh, the private prisons, and uh, you know, there's a lot of money that's being you know that they would lose out on you know if, if marijuana was legalized. Explain how and why. Uh, well, I mean, you go you go to jail. Uh, you gotta 
pay your bond. You got to, you know, so bondsman's going to lose out on money. Uh, the court system is going to lose out on money. Uh, if you get shipped off to a private prison, uh, you know, they're making money off of the commissary. They're making money off of you trying to make phone calls. And it's 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 ridiculous. There's a huge list of things that you know it, it oh, costs prisoners. Even deeper than that, they're just judges that are making money by putting more people in prison. Oh yeah, uh, and, and now being busted. Um, so people can't say that that's not happening because there's judges that are actually going to prison for doing that. Yeah, for, for money for in politics. I'm, I'm, I'm going to jump in because I've been at. holding my tongue this Do whole it. time. This is next gen. I'm, I'm going to say the word that you, you've all kind of touched on it, but nobody's saying it is the history of the war on drugs, the war on cannabis is a racist history. Yeah, they, it is. I mean, the plant is called cannabis. They invented the word marijuana to the make fuck? Mexicans seem like the enemy. Like, oh, they're, they're shipping in this drug. They're affecting dangerous, our youth. Evil word. They, they completely created this persona of the dangerous Mexican that shockingly, or maybe not shockingly, is still being perpetuated by... The wall. Uh, by our usurper. Yeah, build the wall. Um, but yeah, the, you know, prisons. The, we've got this school-to-prison pipeline where they are targeting neighborhoods that are predominantly Hispanic and black. And they, instead of getting a chance at education and going on to college, getting a good job... They are falling into this trap of it's so much easier to sell this drug. I'll get better money, and maybe I can make something of myself. But before they can make something of themselves, they get arrested. Yeah. Yeah. So our prisons that they're still building more and more of, all of our predominantly men and predominantly Hispanic and black men are being shipped to prison. And then they get to prison, and they're not even being fed. They're not getting air conditioning. I'm I'm ranting now. What's happening... To the people who are left on the outside when they're in this incarceration. Exactly. They're struggling. You know, whoever is left behind, whether it's parents, uh, a wife, kids, whoever, uh, they very likely are someone who obviously in the beginning didn't have the means to have a good job or the person who was arrested wouldn't have been in that situation in the first place. So now, you know, let's say it was, uh, let's say it was a wife with a kid and you know, she's struggling now to pay the bills on her own and take care of this kid who she probably can't afford childcare, and she's got four days of school and she's got three days of a week that she's got to figure out what she's doing. It's an endless cycle. And that she's got to work two jobs because the rent's at outrageous. At least two jobs, yeah. At least two jobs. For so outrageous rent in a building that's falling apart around her. So now neither one of the parents are in the household. Mm-hmm. One's in jail, one's having to work multiple jobs. And, and guess what and happens to the kid? What happens to the kid? They think, well, I've got to find a way to make money. Oh, this guy down the street said if I peddle this drug for him, he'll pay me. And then the vicious cycle continues. Yep. And that's going to continue to continue until we break the cycle. We've got to break the cycle, ladies and gentlemen. We have to unrig the system, and that's exactly what we're trying to do with Next Gen Dems, with these fine candidates right here, trying to come up and, and, and amplify your voice and amplify your message and, and fight back because nobody's been fighting for people like us. Nobody's been fighting for people like you if you're watching this show, most likely. Nobody's been fighting for people like you, and nobody's been, been making your voice count. And that's what we're here for. We're here to make your voice count, to make your vote, vote matter. And, and we're going to keep doing that. On so we, we, we just got done talking about, uh, you know, what we know the problems are around uh, or that, you know, the, the war on drugs is created and everything. Why don't we look at um, 
I call it uncheck the box or get rid of the box that uh, requires you to have to uh, put down whether or not you've uh, mm -hmm. been convicted of a felony before. Yeah, I was or, or, or some or some yep. sort of drug offense. Uh, as, as a small business owner, whenever we're looking for laborers and stuff like that for our, uh, for our tile business, um, usually the best workers that we find in our area honestly come from the probation and parole office because they've been to jail, they've been to prison, they have no desire to go back there and they just need someone that's willing to give them a chance. They work very hard, they show up every single day, they may not have, you know, we've helped some guys out get, get some clothes, get some tools you know, work with them in order to, you know, build their life back up so that they don't have to go caught back into the cycle. And uh, sorry, were you, no. Uh, the reverse of that, if someone isn't there to give them that opportunity, then they're struggling to get by, they have no idea how to live on the outside, so a lot of people end up intentionally trying to get back in mm -hmm. just because prison is the only thing they know anymore, which then perpetuates <clears throat> us having to pay for prisons to stay open and pay to feed our inmates. And it's so interesting you bring those subjects up because I literally just had this conversation last night. And literally people were at, like, I was kind of the first one to start asking these kind of questions, and it sort of snowballed from there. But these are the questions people were asking. How do we keep them out of jail? What do we do? He said, well, recidivism. Well, my recidivism rate is 70% or whatever. Well, we stop okay. passing so many laws to put them in jail. Well, We're taking moms and dads out of the households and expecting the kids to raise themselves and not understanding why we're not getting good results. Right. Well, an interesting <laughs> thing is is that I've noticed because, like, we live close to the city, but yet we live in the country, and then, you know, this whole area from where I lived out here in Jeff City is country. There are a lot of problems that are you have in the city that are reflected also in the country. You have people who have a lack of opportunity. You have kids who are left, you know, messed up. The drug thing is a big problem. Heroin's a huge problem. I again had that conversation last night. You know, their 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 sort of guesstimate is that you know a very good number of the people who they're taking into custody are there as a result of drug offenses or as a result of a drug habit. You know, I said, so what are you doing for those people? Well, they, they can call somebody. They're adults, and they that's their decision that they make. And I'm like, but how's that going to, you know, how, but it's that we, we see those issues in, in the city. We see those issues out here, not here, but like in the country where you have a lack of access. You have kids who are, like you said, left at home. They, they um, if, I don't know, is there an issue with kids not even going to school because it's difficult to get there? Um, in the rural areas, uh, I wouldn't say it's necessarily an issue for them to uh, get to school. Um, it's more of an issue once they turn 16, 17 years old to actually, out. yeah, to, to stay in school, um, you know, because, you know, dad might be in jail or mom's yeah. in jail. And I have to drop out in order to get a job so I can feed the rest of the kids in the family. Or by that point in their well, life. Well, that, that was my situation, actually. I, I dropped out and got my GED mm -hmm. uh, because I had to help raise my two-year-old sister. Yeah. Uh, because I, I was in a situation, it ended up in a situation, it wasn't always like that, ended up in a situation where both parents needed to work. Um, and it used to be one parent had to work. Mm -hmm. uh, and I was kind of there during that transition. And then it went downhill to the point where um, I had to, to come out of school and help raise my sister. Yeah. Um, and I did go back for my GED, but I know that that, that happened. And, mm -hmm. and I know that 
I can sympathize and, and have empathy for somebody who's in that same position because I was there. So, so one of my question is, so I talk about you're like, not the host. I'm the one. Doing no, the no, no, but <laughs> right. But one of my question is because, like, can what? You check our frame over there, Chrissy, please. What? What? Um, battery life. Because you you've asked like about about solutions, like kind of you know he's got some stuff. He asked me too. We talked about solutions, and I think about in the ro- like you're in St. Charles, and and I. Are you saying? I just didn't want to block out Brian. <laughs> Um, disembodied voice is telling us something. It's probably better that way. <laughs> I, I'm curious because, like, I'm I'm kind of you know we're, we're in Franklin County, but we're close to the, the county, and, and he's all, all the way over on this other side. You're way down there. What? Way down there. Well, what I'm saying is is is, 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 is you're you're in. Yeah, I mean, there's some cities down there, but we're talking about like in the rural areas. What can like cannabis? You're talking about like like hemp. Um, in 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 exploring my district. In a lot of these towns, there's a Dollar General, and there's a gas station. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where are Maybe people? Maybe a Walmart. May, well, not in the town, no. <laughs> no. no. Not in the town. which we were talking about earlier. I mean, it's all. So where? Well, a lot of these rural towns, I mean, the Dollar General is the Walmart. That, that's what I'm noticing. Yeah. So what am I? What, so where can these people? So let, let's say I'm 16 or I'm 18 or I'm 20. Let's say I don't want to go to college. Let's just say I want to get a job. If I'm 16, 18, 20 years old and I live in Mary's County or I don't want to pick out a particular county, but some of these rural areas because they're all like they're south, north, whatever, where can I go get a job? I, I met people like over in Warrington that lived in Jeffco. They got a job in Warrington because they paid more than working in Jeffco. And I'm thinking, dude, you're driving like an hour and a half or something to work at a gas yeah. station. I've yeah. known several people, uh, if, if you're not I familiar. Speak rail. Just, yeah, uh, yeah. If you're not familiar with Southwest Missouri, uh, Springfield is about hour, hour 15 minutes away from Joplin. I've known several people who live in one town and travel to the other every day of the week for work. Oh, I know people who drive farther than that even. And uh, I'd just like to say it's not that far when you drive the way I do. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't take nearly that long. You stay up there. Right, <laughs> yeah, right, right. Stay off the roads with Curtis. <laughs> huh? Oh, uh, I didn't say, you know. Uh, Oh, you, you caught me off guard with your, with your witty comment. Like, like trying to figure out how to how to make you stay up there. Uh, <laughs> Build a wall. Uh, you know. If you ever get stumped, just throw out your website. Wildfoodpeople.com. Well, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, we're talking about you know what you know what what do we do for kids and I mean what? especially in small communities. Yeah, Dollar General gas station. Uh, then you know, and like I said, what? you know, it really just it, I mean, he's coming back to money and politics. You know, the people they buy the lawmakers and write the rules they want to. It allows you know businesses to go out of the community. It allows the war on drugs to be run like it. Was, I mean, that's all. It, it was always a class war. Mm-hmm. I don't care what they call it. It was always a class war. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and we're talking about you know. I mean, I can't even believe what I'm hearing as far as people getting bus two hours one way or another to go to school. Yeah. Uh, that's just treating people like freight. Uh, you know, I've had an argument with anti tax, tax crowd for a while on education. Uh, and it really is, you know, would you rather pay taxes to educate your neighbor's kid or would you rather pay taxes to take care of that neighbor's kid when he's in prison? That's what's going to happen if you don't educate. Them. And they were talking about like and there's yeah. really not much in between these days, right? And like, and, yeah, and you the know, cost of prison's expensive. And yeah, like, and I mean, you, know, if you don't want to have any humanity about it. Don't look at it and gold, you know, dollars and cents. It's still cheaper to educate that child yeah. and take yeah. care of them than you get it is credit, to deal with them when they're a uh, dysfunctional adult. They're so. paying taxes instead of eating taxes. And frankly, you know, there's a lot of people in prison that aren't dysfunction. You know, that were victims of the drug war, right. things like that. 
another tangent for another conversation. You know, Reagan deinstitutionalized all the mental patients back in the 80s, which yep. is another reason our prison population is so huge. It gets into the gun control arguments that we're having right now, mm-hmm. but that could be another two-hour conversation. Be, <laughs> but so. before we go off onto that tangent, because it's a good tangent, it's one that needs to be addressed. Um, there is a way that uh, uh, rural communities can kind of rebound, also, uh, but it goes back into education, and it's we've got to stop stigmatizing that vocational work is a bad Absolutely. thing. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I'm a third generation floor layer. My grandfather did it, my father did it, I do it. Um, you know, I get to do some really, really neat stuff. If you check me out on Facebook, sometimes I'll post pictures of some of the showers and stuff I, that I, I saw do. a shower you did recently, I know. and I, I could just camp out of there. I know. <laughs> if I had an extra bedroom, I'd be like, could you put a shower in there? We, we, we <laughs> just... Yeah. under the counter. Right. No, I've, <laughs> I've, I've done all kinds of crazy things uh, as far as designing some of the showers. But, um, you know, if you... I te- bathtub that has a TV... Ceiling right up too. there. I've yes. actually I've I've done that. I've done a steam shower where we, we built a uh, um, it had mood lighting and everything. It had a recessed TV behind a glass panel. I and, mean, and, mood and lighting. The, I'm always in a good mood. Well, it, they also had a built-in uh, stone bench that if you open it up, also doubled as a cooler too. Ooh, that's so cool. you can, they, I mean they could just sit in there and drink beer and just have a great time. You should check out his Facebook page. You I have seen these. I've seen, these. I've seen cool them. I, Speaking jealous. of, while we're here. Plug your Facebook page, plug your website. Uh, Strubig for State Senate is my Facebook page. Spell Strubig. S-T-R-U-E-B as in boy, I-G as in girl. That's right, that's right. Let's come over here, Sarah. Uh, I don't actually have a website yet. I literally just officially decided and announced two days ago, so I will tell Curtis as soon as I have a website, and he will plug it for me then. Of course. (laughs) Yay! Uh, but you can check her out, uh, your name. Yeah, Facebook? find me on Facebook. I'm Sarah Hinkle. Um, Spell that. S-A-R-A-H space H-I-N-K-L-E. That's right. We already got his. Uh, what's your website, John? JohnKeeney.com. That's J-O-H-N-K-I-E-H-N-E.com. On Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. <laughs> I think he's got some voice 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 <laughs> That's John Keeney for three. But if you if you the, the the kids that are going to remain behind in in these small towns and everything, those are the jobs that are available. Uh, learning to be an electrician, learning to be a plumber, uh, learning to be a floor layer, a carpenter. Those are jobs that are you know they're not going to go away. They're not going to get automated out of existence uh, if you're lucky enough. There's always going to be a person like you who's going to do a better job than a machine that, that may be able to, to do something Absolutely. similar. Until we get the robots. Yeah, yeah. Robot. Well, and a machine yeah. can't think of a cooler and a sky TV and whatever you just described. Yeah, that's, true. that's true. Um, <laughs> but, you know, like I said, those are the jobs that are available right now in the area. Uh, it's also the quickest way for you to become your your own business owner, to be an entrepreneur. That's something else that we need to change in education. For so long, we the education system has been geared towards essentially creating factory workers. You know, go out, you're going to get a job, you're going to go work for somebody. We need to start uh, emphasizing being an entrepreneur. Uh, you know, if if you're not making money as an entrepreneur, the only person you had to blame is yourself. Exactly. exactly. You know, and, and it's it's not easy work. No, uh, it's a grind. I it say it all is a the grind. Time rise and grind. Yeah, yeah, but the other thing, but the, the, there's a sense of because I 
the three of us, I, I don't know about you all, but uh, the three of us do that. Like, you have your own business, you have your own business, I have my own business. You yeah, know, and it, we are our own brand. Yeah, and, and it does take a lot of work. Oh, and it is ab- like you absolutely. wake up, but I, man, I can't imagine working for somebody else. Oh, yeah, that's, like, that's, that's the whole reason I still do what I, what I yeah. do, because I don't want to have to go necessarily yeah. go punch the clock or something like right. that. Yeah. I have a little bit more freedom. Some of my friends see me nowadays and they're like, you know, you don't have to go anywhere through the week, like Monday through Friday. You don't have to. Right. You, you, you know, have your appointments and you schedule it when you want to mm-hmm. and, and they don't understand that uh, it's a lot of hard work to not have to work for anybody else. Yes. And then and there's also that other dynamic to where it's not that you're not working for anybody else. It's that you've got a different client every weekend mm-hmm. or, or every other yeah. weekend. Yeah, I, I, right. I'm constantly posting views of, you know, of the office of the day, you know, right. which is changing from, you know, every two or three days. I'm, I'm at a different job site. So um, you don't have anybody that calls the shots for you, but you've got a lot of people that are in charge of what they want you to do. Absolutely. You, all, you will. Everyone works for somebody. Does not it does not matter you know right. there's you're not not going to be able to we have clients to, yeah, yeah you yeah. have clients right. well, the the all encompassing thing is that right now we have a system where people are working because they have to mm-hmm. I think we need to devise a system where we free people to work because they want to yeah free people to work at the things that they want to well, th- think about what the ACA did that one of the good things that it did is it unleashed people from you know the monotonous job that they didn't like that they didn't want yeah Yeah. so that they could have health care forced into that slavery system regardless if you want to call it that they weren't forced into that slavery system uh, or that they were forced into that slavery system and uh, Obamacare freed them of that because you didn't have to stay locked (coughs) into an employer to still be able to have your benefits exactly so yeah we definitely need more of that yeah but you need to be able to start teaching that in the schools um, yeah. because it is scary going out on your own and starting your own business. I mean, if you fail, there's serious repercussions. Uh, you know, you can lose the house, lose the car, you know, so on and so forth. Um, but if you allow kids to learn how to do that while they're in school, while they're still, I hate using this word, safe space. Yeah, uh, no, you're right. But they, they are in a, in a safe place where they can fail I'm gonna, because I'm you need say to they learn how should they be in a safe place yeah they should that's, be yeah, that's yes, up for debate right yes, now yes, yeah <laughs> um but if if you if you provide that environment then they they learn the coping mechanisms in order to deal with failure you know it, I, it drives me nuts i know a lot of people aren't gonna necessarily like this statement but i don't like the idea of everybody gets a trophy yeah. You know, because that, that does not set you up for what you're going to have to deal with out here in, in the shit world that we necessarily live in. I know, and it's amazing how many conservatives will defend Donald Trump's win and tell you that second place shouldn't get a trophy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when he literally got, got the second place. hypocritical. He got the second yeah, place. Yeah, no, right. he, he lost the election. Right. He lost the popular right. vote and was still seated in the White House. Right. Yeah. Second Republican president in my lifetime that that happened to. Yeah. That, that they gave the trophy to the second place person. Yeah. But, you know, I, I, I run into this when we're trying to hire on younger people in our jobs um, that don't know how to deal with, uh, you know, being told no, being, uh, you know, potentially failing, potentially screwing something up. Uh, you know, learn how to deal with the problems while, while you're young. 
in, in an area where you know the repercussions aren't aren't as bad and uh, you know start to start to take risks early yeah and 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 don't necessarily have to teach by the book because you know in construction nothing is ever like it turns up like it's shown in the book you know no floor is perfectly flat no wall is perfectly straight or anything else like that you need to learn how to deal with the problems that you're going to uh, face in life and in in work because you know that's what's going to separate you from your competition is being able to handle those problems and being able to get the job done still on budget being able to come up with solutions solutions in, in yeah right yeah and because worst case scenario still makes you a better employee yeah. like even if you end up working for somebody else you're so much better of an employee from yeah. that well and we need a different mindset in our schools they're they're set up to teach kids that you need to try to get that a and you need to pass this test and you need to pass the standardized testing like we schools we need to be right and schools need to be teaching that it's not about your grades like it's about the process and what you learn how you learn to work and, and adapt think. and yeah right yeah. and and find Critical who you are thinking. you may not be the math student or the science student or the athlete find who you are and and work with that yeah, absolutely. God bless you. Don't be an art student or a musician in this uh, well, day that's, time. That's a nice that's thing. That's what I think we need to cultivate. That's what I think we need to cultivate. Yeah. The arts, yeah. man, because they're, they're trying to do with the arts, and they just want you to teach you to test. They just want you to be able to know a certain amount of things and memorize those things. Yeah. And, and then you're good enough in their eyes. But the fact is, is that they're wasting a lot of time on subjects that may not be a, a, a passion subject to a lot of kids. And those same kids could be Einstein if we start figuring out what they were passionate about and cultivating that inside them. So we have to grow these children uh, along the path that they choose. uh, We're homeschooling our daughter. Firmly and completely believe in public education. I think that that Missouri's uh, legislature is not doing the best job that they could for our our public education, for our educators and our students. Um, Maybe Betsy DeVos could say that. When, when I'm able to get in there and make a few changes and, and we can do a better job at that, maybe we'll we'll bring Phoenix into a public school situation. Right now she is homeschooling. And most days we make it her idea. What does she want to learn? Does she want to learn math? Does she want to learn science? Does she want to learn English? And, and then we cultivate that. And you decided that you wanted to do this today. You made this decision, so this is the road that we're going down today. Uh-huh. And, and she is so bright. Every parent wants to say that their kid is a genius. Mm-hmm. My kid is getting to be smarter than me, and she's five. That's awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. But you're also you're also dedicated to educating your child and nurturing your child. I think that goes to we're talking about like you know one parent working, two parents working. Uh, the schools end up being more a uh, more daycare than school. And you have parents yeah, who do have to work, you know, and like, and like maybe you have, they're working two and a half jobs or three between them. Yeah. And so even after school stuff, it's like, well, yeah, I can't go to the football game or I can't do that. Or if you do this activity, I can't get involved. And we know that our kids being involved, like being, like they bring, you know, uh, our uh, niece that we raised, she went to Eureka, uh, which is the Rockwood schools. And she'd have like an hour and a half, two hours homework a night, typically. She did Spanish and history science all that stuff but we would bring it home and and we would always try to kind of like hey you know do you help that what are you doing blah 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 even though you're busy trying to make time for the kids if, if and we we had her do clubs we had she did uh sports she did some varsity sports and 
I just say it because we didn't say you have to do this thing. We said you have to do something. You have to get involved in stuff, and we want to nurture all those different interests. And I, and it, but it took extra effort on our mm-hmm. on our part. You know, we had to work and pay pay the rent and, and and to keep a house and go. Okay, this child needs this, and and she needs to go to school. But we also need to go to the school meetings. You know, we need to go to teachers' <coughs> meetings and go. Hey, you know what's going on? How's she doing? What is she? You know. The advent of email with teachers has been awesome, and the mm-hmm. online grades and stuff. Being present yeah. is something that is direly missing yeah. for our youth. Yeah, but the problem. Of parents, that, but it helps. You know what I'm saying? The problem is a lot of parents don't even have the means to do that. They can have the best intentions, yeah. but most of our rural communities don't even have broadband access. So exactly. if their teacher right. has yes. email, that You're means correct. nothing to them. Yep, yeah. You're right. There's Which so many insane. free materials uh, on there to help them teach their kids, but they can't access them mm-hmm. can because even expect, their phone can't get online. Yeah, that's exactly right. How can we expect an educated voter base if we can't even get an educated uh, elementary level for our society? Or access, or access to, you know, to information. Right. You know, what are we doing? Well, and again, when see, other countries are doing a better job, you're in St. Charles, what and I'm doing? in. We're supposed to be the greatest country on the planet, right? Well, so, I agree. So how come they're not, not broadband internet going to ever look at uh, Chattanooga, Tennessee? Chattanooga, Tennessee has fiber optic in their town, and and you can either get the uh, charter or whatever, or whatever their local thing is, or you can get the city fiber optic. It's right. just like paying, paying mm-hmm. trash. It's just like paying water. <clears throat> and it's a whole lot less expensive because of that. But, see, here's but, the but thing. if you tell that to a Republican, that's socialism. Well, but you, you live Ooh. in St. Charles. And, <laughs> yeah. I mean, we just, we've been in a no, rural community. Like, so, I, yeah. I live in, in O'Fallon. Right, in but I'm St. saying you, you live in an area that's, that's suburban. You know what I'm saying? And, and I think people, us being by St. Louis or by Kansas City or whatever, or in a city, we don't realize that when you drive out, maybe 30 minutes from your house all the way to the middle of the state, there are people that don't have access to the Internet. Like, that was really news to me. I mean, we don't have, well, it was news to me until four years ago when I moved to Franklin County, and I go, what do you mean we don't have access to the Internet? Well, for $15,000, we'll run it to your house. <laughs> and, and we're like, oh, hell no. So solutions. Let's talk about solutions. Uh, How do we I'm get a big fan of the New Deal, uh, and I think we need a rural broadband project like they did rural electrification. Yeah. But who's going to pay for it because there's no, and I'm saying this is being rhetorical. Well, we just gave $1.4 trillion to the billionaires and multinationals. Yeah, so well, we but, but they need yeah, that. But they need that. But here's my thing. It's like, say, Did you just say they need that? Of course they need you're that. Off my they're, podcast. They're, 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 <laughs> they're, no, they're, they're going broke. Okay. <laughs> they, they, they can barely afford to eat. Oh yeah, you I, didn't know I guess that. Hundred thousand dollar plate caviar, <laughs> know, man. Yeah. But look, <laughs> but here he, and here's like again, I'm uh, running in rural districts. Like you have three hundred. Well, my daughter's eating peanut butter crackers. I'm just saying. There's like three hundred. Like three. There's like three hundred fifty thousand people or so in St. Charles County. I don't know. It's like up there, like quite a few people. My some of these. Is Thirty-two. Yeah. Some some of these some of these counties have what forty thousand people. Yeah, you know, there there's so fewer people like in these counties. I don't know where the money. Is going because already it's the city money going to the smaller communities. Well, if, if so, where's the money going nationally though? In in uh, Montauk County, they have yeah. uh, they have Como Connect over there, uh, 
which goes up, I do believe, up into Cooper County, and it's made its way down uh, to the Lake of the Ozarks area, at least on the west side of the lake, um, where it's, you know, it's uh, an electrical co-op, which means it's owned by all the people that live in the district. They made the conscious decision to, uh, you know, the, the main fiber optic lines are already laid through most of the country, actually. Uh, that, that went through as part of the shovel-ready jobs uh, uh, during the Obama administration. The problem is... But a is Republican will tell you there was no shovel-ready jobs. Well, they, there's always shovel-ready jobs. There's yeah. always shovel-ready jobs. But they, you know, the, the, li the lines are already there, but there has to be the will of the company uh, that's in the area, a utility company, um, to be willing to take it the next step, to be able to bring the line from the road to the house. So why does it have to be a utility company? Why can't we take the power out of their hands and make it a public works issue? Quite honestly, I don't think, I don't know where, you know, well, it get, gets back into money, I think. Strangely, well, and I mean, not devil's advocate, but I mean, it's literally, like, in my profession, uh, you know, rural area, let's say local entity decides to run water and sewer down a road, the property owner is still going to have to pay for the service off of that main mm -hmm. up to their house. So, I mean, really, that's kind of the corollary. Uh, you know, now on the other side of that, I think, you know, back in town, see utilities we're at, and I'm sure that's pretty common, uh, you know, they're they're responsible from the, from the pole mm -hmm. to your service connection, and then once it gets inside the building, you're responsible you're for responsible, anything else. Yeah. And I really think that would be the model that we would want to do you know, hook people up to, cause, you know, a lot of people, they're going to have the wherewithal or the money to pay someone to come out and trench fiber optic cable <coughs> up to their house. You yeah. Know, and then they have the additional expense of making that work once it's inside their house. Uh, and the utility companies already have the equipment. They have the right. manpower. They have the know-withal to be able to do that. But they've already I see it kind of like, you know, at the dawn of, you know, when people did start having indoor plumbing or electricity at first, it was, uh, oh, well, this is a neat new technology. Uh, you know, it's become so ubiquitous. It, it is required to get a uh, certificate of occupancy for a building that you have electricity, that you have water, that you have all these basic things that 100 years ago were considered luxuries. They were not regulated. They were not required. And I think we need to get there with the Internet. The Internet's a way of life. we got to have it. So Yeah, and, and that also goes back into some of the rural areas where... You know, in the Springfield area, in the Joplin area, and you know the St. Louis area, you guys have planning and zoning. Mm -hmm. You get out into a lot of these rural uh, rural counties; they don't have planning. And, yeah, they they have no planning and zoning whatsoever. So there's no requirements uh, if you've got a lot and you're going to put a trailer on it or something like that. There's no requirement that you have. Uh, electricity run or water or water and that's where the commercial farms are moving in right absolutely well and and if uh you know going back to you know we're losing our rural communities um the average age of a farmer is 56 right now and their kids aren't necessarily coming back to run the farm so what happens when mom and dad pass away they're going to take that farm and they're going to sell it off to the highest bidder which is probably going factory to be a big farm. factory farm because they're going to be able to buy the property up, you know, essentially dirt cheap. Otherwise, you're going to be able to rent it out for, say, pasture land, but you're going to get about $1,200 uh, $1, a year if you're lucky yeah, per, per acre. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's not much to, 
that you get to, to rent that property out. And so, then you're paying taxes and what have you on as well and maintenance. Yeah. And it ends up like on our farm, my dad was, we have 108 acres, and I think 100 of it, man, probably 80 of it is, is used. Mm -hmm. It's not very much money. You know, 100, 100 <laughs> acres is like delivered papers. Money. Yeah, you know? and, it, and it, it depends on what you're farming too. Yeah. I mean, if you if you're if you're farming uh, any kind of grain, then you need at least a thousand acres in order to make it worth it. You know, uh, you know. To, Wait, to, are you guys farming hay or, or hemp? Because uh, I just heard one hundred twenty dollars a bushel. <laughs> that that does well. You know, my dad. Well, that, that, that makes a smaller. Soybeans. Yeah, that makes a smaller farm. Uh, you know, more, more profitable. profitable. You know, you might, you know, at, at our farm, uh, my family farm, we only have about uh, 38 acres that's actually farmable. Uh, we run cattle on that land except for one spot that we've, you know, that's just our, our hay field. And, and yeah, I, I can turn that into a hemp uh, farm real easy. And, you know, uh, something we didn't get a chance to hit so on. are you going to? If, uh, I'm putting you on the table right now. I would, I, I would love to have the opportunity to do it. But right, right now we don't have the opportunity. Uh, also, getting back to the fact that we don't have the mills or anything in this area, all the mills, uh, in fact, all the hemp that's produced that everyone in uh, the United States is consuming right now comes uh, from either Canada, which is not that much, or it all comes from China. You know that that would that would be able to steal jobs back from China, and we got a whole lot more farmland here that we could use, provided we stop letting the Chinese buy up our farmland here in Missouri, as they have done all throughout northern Missouri. Uh, Smithfield, which is uh, absolutely ridiculous. Yes, yeah, Smithfield uh, uh, Farms, which is a one of the top two pork producers in in the country, is Chinese owned. And what they've been able to do is uh, uh, when when you put up a pork barn or a, or a poultry barn, um, the the farmer, the you know, the, the landowner is on the hook for uh, the loan for building the barn, maintaining the barns. Um, they're given the the sows or the or the chicks. Uh, you know, in Miller County we got a lot of turkey farms. Uh, you know, they're given the chicks, they're given the feed by the company, um, but they don't have any control over the quality of the feed or the quality of the birds. Um, so if the company decides they just really just want that property, they will give them substandard birds. They will give them substandard feed. And, you know, they're, they're paid on quality of the bird and, and weight of the bird. So if you're you're already put behind the eight ball by the company. You can't say anything in public because we've passed laws that have essentially put gag orders on on the farmers. Uh, Wait, are, are you telling me that they they have chicken privilege? Something hog, like that. Hog privilege? <clears throat> yeah, they're they're not they're not allowed to. Say right. I know, I know. It's just not right. Uh, they're they're not allowed to speak up or say anything. You know, I've I've talked to several farmers that you know, yeah, we'd like to have a voice, but. We, we can't. I mean, it could be the end of our farm if if we do. So they're not getting paid as much for for the bird or the hog. Um, they're going to get behind on the on the pay, the loan payments because they took out substantial loans in order to build these uh, turkey barns or or hog barns. Uh, 
and at that point, uh, you know, when you can't pay your mortgage anymore, it goes up for sale on the courthouse steps. And who's there? Smithfield is there to be able to buy it dirt cheap at auction. Yeah, pennies on the dollar. Pennies on the dollar. And now that farmland is owned by the country of China. And we could actually see that potentially happen through my district because Cargill is king in my district. Um, you know, they and if the people at the very top now have their way, they're going to keep selling off to China and before or, or other whoever, countries yeah. or other countries. Yeah. And before you know it, America is not going to be America anymore, <laughs> even if it is currently a shell of what it used to be. Uh, yeah, and, and Car- Cargill has already sold off a. Uh, They've already sold off their pork division. It's now been sold to JDS. Uh, so how do we pork, get that land back? Say we want to buy that land back. How do we get that land back? Honestly, we need to get rid of the, you know uh, that stupid right to farm bill that was passed by uh, Missouri voters, unfortunately, because you know they used great you know great marketing again. Messaging. Messaging was was was, was key. Yeah. You know they they've tried to do the same thing with the right to work. Because they tried Not to make it actually make people actually believe that right to farm meant that you have a right to farm. You've always had a right to farm. You've always had a right to work. The bill that they're trying to run through is the bill that they already passed that we're having to fight and we're having to turn over Proposition A, which we're going to vote on November 6, 2018, same time that I'm on the ballot, you're on the ballot. Anybody here have a special election? No? No. Then I think these two guys are on the ballot. you got a primary. Yes, August 7th. August 7th. but I may have a primary August 7th, too. I don't know if I'm going to have a competitor or not. I haven't okay. had time to look. Hey, they got until March 27th yep. to sign up. Uh, there are still seats available. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I want, I want every Republican to have opposition. So get out there and run for office. If you see a seat that's not available, Thank run, yeah. run, run. Run for office. Don't just march. Like, like 161 Run. and 160, we need you. Yeah. 161, 160. Um, I, I hear that uh, 63, there may be some rumblings. Uh, my area is starting to get a little more secure, but I think we need two or three. Uh, so look at, after today, see the offices that are still available um, uh, on the Secretary of State website. I'm sure that you'll be able to search that. And if there's a district that is available that you live in, Run for office. Run for office. And if you have Even any questions, get a hold of us. And if you have any questions, yeah. get a hold of anybody Curtis, at this table. Curtis, Brian, me, anybody, we've, we've reach done, out. Somebody uh, will tell you. Uh, you remember Dow? Derek's like, don't get a hold of me. I'll point you in the right direction. Uh, the Missouri uh, Democratic Progressive Caucus, uh, we have a Facebook page as well, and, and uh, one of the members posted a very uh, useful map that is also speaking to what you are, and showing all the open seats. So uh, if you want to go look it up there as well, uh, that's a good place to go. And, and I think I'll make it a point to share that on the Next Gen Dems page uh, for you know, anybody that may be that listening. Map? Yes. That map? Yes. Yeah, it's I mean, excellent. Hopefully, so. hopefully it's a little updated because I, I do was believe say, from he that had map. My, my district's taken now. He yes. Needs to update that. Yes. So <laughs> after after uh, probably March 27th, I'm sure he'll update go back it. Onto he'll that update map. it. But then it's going to be too late. So we need to kind of knock it out as it's coming. Before March 27th, we need to make sure that we run for every seat. And everybody that runs for a seat, you need to knock every door three times. Three and, times. And, and honestly, even if I'm going even if Ryan, you don't have actually. if you don't have time to be able to run a campaign or anything, just put your name on the ballot. 
get get your name on the ballot because it you know as I've seen in so many of the rural areas, including mine, you know, how long do you have to be forced to just have a Republican option as your only option before you start to consider yourself, well, I guess I'm a Republican because I've never had a Democrat to be able to, right. exactly to vote right. for. And, and that's and if you if your name's on the ballot, that means that person has to uh, he's got to spend money. He's got to address it. Yeah. What's going yeah. on? Absolutely. So and everybody that runs is siphoning just a little bit more of that money from the big machine that is the the good old party. Putting ideas uh, in people's heads. Grandpa's old party. Grandpa's the only party? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm a grandpa, but, and that's hey, not this, my party. That's not actually true. Because uh, uh, the, the issues and, and the policies and platforms that are, are now called progressive, they, they cross all barriers. They cross all age barriers, and people that really look into it and see that there can be a path to those solutions get behind them. Because I really believe that, as I said earlier, when it was just me and Derek here, that people inherently want good things for other people too. Um, so, so I still believe that for now. Yeah, I, I try to believe that. From that premise, I still have hope. Yeah, I still have hope in our country, our state, our party. Uh, everybody sitting here is a Democrat. Next gen Dems. What do you want? Uh, so, <laughs> Uh, before we get out of here, before we finish this episode, which is a, a supersized episode. Can I say one more thing? Absolutely. Also, while we're Absolutely. talking about filing, um, if, you're not, if you haven't been happy with the way that the Democratic Party has been working, and I was one of those people, um, yeah. I'll be honest. Get, well, I, I, <laughs> I, I did one of these numbers. So. They're going to see me. <laughs> yeah, maybe they didn't see it. Just believe me, I did a, a little... Blame it on us. You, you, I know you personally, you're very disgruntled. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> actually raging, she, she's seething yeah. inside. You, you can get involved. Yeah. You know, uh, find your local committee. If you don't have a local committee, guess what? You are now the local committee. Make one. Okay? You Make just one. became your local committee. Now also, friends. Uh, today was the beginning of filing, not just for us, but it's also the beginning of filing to uh, run to be the head of your local county committee. So, if you're not happy with the people, you know, you've been shut out of your uh, county committee because they you don't mess. You can run. Go to your circuit clerk's office. Sign up. It doesn't cost a thing. Your name gets put on the ballot. If you get enough votes, guess what? You were the chair of your local committee. Yeah. You know, two years St. ago. Louis, if you're not happy with how your committee has acted. Exactly Shame, right. Shameless plug. Exactly right. <laughs> I, I just want to clarify that out in our area, we actually run for the committee seats, and then the seats vote for the chair. So... But you have to register to be considered. Right, well, no, that's what I'm saying, yeah. it, you know, down in our area. It's the same thing you're saying about as just uh, the committee itself will vote for the chair in your area. Right. Maybe, you know, the chair has done through the actual public. Yeah, yeah. So but, you, but, you, ballot, but you, get a, you get a voice. Right. Yeah. If, right. If you yeah. if you elected. Like every every county is a little different whether you go by precinct or ward or township or whatever and it's very confusing and if you don't already know this please get in touch with any one of us and if we don't know the answer for you we will find the person who does. I will forward you to it. Curtis immediately. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and and shameless plug here if uh, you live in Miller County and you're a registered Democrat 
contact me immediately. We need polling judges. We don't even have enough polling judges in and order to cover pays. some. Yeah, it does pay $9 an hour plus mileage. And you might so, be there like 15 hours. <laughs> you're gonna, yeah, you're going to be there from 5.30 in the morning till 7.30 at night, and you're going to get paid for your miles to the polling place, which Miller County, it's not hard to put miles on a, on a, on a vehicle out yeah, there. It's, uh, I'm learning that. Spread yeah, out. yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's an it's the easiest money that you will ever be able to make. And, and that goes and not that just for his counties. Every states. county needs poll judges. Yep. All yeah. over the state, you would be surprised how many uh, they're supposed to try to get an equal amount of yeah. Republican yeah, and Democrat to, yeah. poll judges. Um, but if they don't have enough Democrats as poll judges, they replace them with Republicans, and that's how we get where we're at. Exactly. Uh, another thing, speaking to to what you were talking about. Um, if you're angry, if you're disillusioned with politics in general, or even the Democratic Party specifically, if you dem exited, if you were one of the 14 million Democrats that left the Democratic Party because you weren't happy with the way things went in 2016, know that some of the people sitting at this table are just like you. But instead of running away, or instead of throwing your hands up and not being involved, I did that we first. decided to get involved. <laughs> We, we dove decided in head first. we dove yeah. in head first yeah. because if we're going to continue to let other people make change, we're not going to like the change we see. So we have to be the change that we want to see in this world, and the only Someone way that we can do it. That. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> be the change you want to see. <laughs> exactly right. Where's it from? I've been uh, saying it so long, I forgot where I stole it from. Uh, it was uh, Gandhi, wasn't it? <laughs> Tang Clan. Yeah. Inspirational calendar from the 70s. Gandhi, the Wu-Tang Clan, and an inspiration calendar from the 70s. Could be Campbell Soup for the Soul, too. Right, right, right. Campbell Soup yeah. for the Soul. There you go. There you go. That's right. It's a Curtis Wilde original. Yeah, yeah. I will take all the credit. <laughs> I wrote the thing from the 70s. Yeah. I did the Campbell Soup can. Yeah. <laughs> and you were in Wu-Tang. It was all me and me, is, me but I'm just kidding. Traveler. Hashtag not me, us. Um, but we are gonna gonna end this supersized episode. It's been fantastic having you all on. Thank you, Curtis. Thank you, Curtis. Thank you, Thank you very much, all of you, for having yourself for have, having the uh, time to come out and, and join me on this really special day where we all registered to run for office and to do something about the world that we live in. Remember that everybody in your financial life cares about politics, whether you do or not. Your landlord cares about it, your boss cares about it, your utility companies care about it, and if you don't find yourself a seat at the table, or a seat at the table, chances are you are on the menu. Get yourself a seat at the table, yeah. folks. Get off the menu. Yeah, yeah. everything yeah. is politics, whether you call it politics or yeah. not. Or whether yeah. you like it or not. Yes. All intersects. Sarah, tell us your name, tell us your district, and how to get a hold of you, and how people can contribute and get involved in your campaign. I'm Sarah Hinkle, uh, Legislative District 162, which is primarily Joplin and Webb City, but I will take supporters from everywhere. Um, as of right now, uh, my, my candidacy is new, so I don't have an official website. You can find me on Facebook, Sarah Hinkle. Um, I'm even on Twitter, but I don't use it a whole lot, but find me wherever you can. Um, heck, I'll even give out my number and email. Uh, uh, email is pretty easy. It's sarahhinkle at yahoo.com. Uh, phone number 417-389-8227 because that's going to be on my business cards anyway. So 
get in contact with me. I and if I like I said earlier, if I can't lead you in the right direction, I can definitely find the right person who can. Um, you know, I'm going to quote myself from two days ago and. Whatever issues you may be thinking of or talking about at a certain time, we're all in this together. It affects every one of us to varying degrees. And if you get the right people in office, we can all succeed together. Exactly right. Exactly right. Thank you, sir. Derek? Uh, wait, yeah, you already gave it earlier, but let's do the uh, right. uh, Facebook and your Act Blue. Uh, uh, Act Blue, be uh, Derek Nowlin. Nowlin's is 134 at Act Blue. Uh, email Nowlin's is 134 at Gmail. Uh, same as the Facebook account, now it's 134. And I, I do will have my website up very shortly. Uh, I will send out notices about that here on my Facebook. Brian Strubig. Brian Strubig. I'm running for the state senate in the 6th district. So if you live in Miller County, Montauk County, Cole County, Osage County, Mary's County, uh, or Gasconade County, uh, get a hold of me. You can get a hold of me at www.brianformo.com. That's my website. You can also go on there. There's links to uh, sign up to volunteer for the campaign. There's links to donate, which, give me some money. Uh <laughs> You can also follow me on Facebook at Strubig for Senate, and that's uh, S-T-R-U-E-B as in boy, I-G, the number four, Senate. Uh, and if you just want to email me, you can get me at Strubig, the number four, Senate, at gmail.com. All right. Thank you, Brian. John? Last but not least, me, com. J-O-H-N-K-I-E-H-N-E.com. I'm on Facebook, John Keeney for three. Twitter, John Keeney for three. Instagram, John Keeney for three. Which is very important, by the way, as far as marketing is concerned. Mm-hmm. Consistency. Consistency. And by the way, Brian's got my back over there in, in those counties. So I got, <laughs> I got to be knocking on some doors, and so he's going to be packing some heat. Outstanding. Everybody passed. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, last but not least, I am your host, Curtis Wild. I am on the DN. Thank you. Sorry. I'm on the DNC. I am also a candidate for state representative in District 107. You can check me out on Facebook, backslash wild for rep for the number. Um, you can also check me out on uh, Twitter, Curtis Wild. At Curtis Weil. I actually had most of these before I decided to run for office. So, really? Uh, yeah, so I didn't uh, Hey, do we get to do a where you feature us everything. so we can do our thing and you wear your wrestling outfit? And, and uh, like- that, it's very possible. I actually did think about wearing my pro wrestling robe today. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, you can also check me out on wildforthepeople.com. <laughs> You can you can contribute. You can contribute. I'm not wearing spandex. Oh, uh, come on, man! You can contribute at donate.wildforthepeople.com, and you can also uh, connect with us right here on Next Gen Dems at uh, backslash nxt. No, at on Twitter uh, nxt gendems. And you can check out nextgendems.us next or .us, however you'd like to say that, uh, which is also the, the URL. Uh, that's the URL. And we're available on iTunes, podcast.com, and the video will be available on Facebook and YouTube at NextGenDems. So check us out. Thank you, everyone, for coming on. Thank John, you. Brian, Derek. And Sarah, thank you guys all for coming on. 
My name is Curtis Wilde, and this was an episode of Next Gen Dems. Yay! Yeah.